Two at five sixty WQM on Happy Yom Kippur to you. Yeah, this is a day that everybody turns out to be Jewish. Isn't it amazing what a skeleton crew we got today? Uh-huh. Although George is back from being sick. Good yontif to you. Good yontif to you. Unhappy Yom Kippur. Don't say Happy Yom oh, Kippur sorry. because it's the Day of Atonement and we're supposed to be very solemn today very and not eat. We're not going to be eating today. Although I'm going to have uh, cheeseburgers for lunch after the show. In fact, maybe I was going to say maybe order Wayne Arnold, but on second thought, in your condition. No, no, no please don't well, tell me with that today. Carlos could eat it. In <laughs> fact, I got a better idea. How about little old caboose? I'll cut all that stuff out of your system. That'll Please. turn you loose. Just the thought. By the way, online detective blows. Oh! Let me just tell you that right now. And I blame, you know who I blame? Not just my own stupidity, because I am stupid. But I blame the audience. And that's another reason we don't take calls anymore, because we get so much bad, bad information. Many months ago, back in those horrible days we were taking calls on this show, we had a call one day, which I'm sure you remember. And a guy's going on about, oh, well, there's these online detective services, and you can find out people's social security number and their shoe size and their mortgage payment and their credit card numbers. And I was very skeptical at that time. I thought, that just can't be. So yesterday, I'm sir, and I'm on there uh, downloading some stories, and here come all these pop-up ads again. I don't want to get Carlos all bent out of shape, but his ad-aware, you know, if you keep, if you keep downloading ad-aware, uh, refreshing it like every 15 minutes, I guess it's okay. But the uh, pop-up stuff just won't stop. In fact, when when you install something like that, Adaware, uh, the the pop-up ads go away for about a day, and then the next day they come back with a vengeance. Like <laughs> I told you before, up. like I told you before the show, it's like getting something really bad and taking one antibiotic and not finishing the rest of the prescription. Speaking of antibiotics, George is feeling better. No thanks to his doctor, who also sucks. Maybe your doctor's busy doing online detective. Maybe he's behind that scam too. That would be a good excuse. Because from what you're telling me, his whole medical practice is a scam, so why the hell not? 
So anyway, to make a long story short, one of the pop-up ads yesterday, while I'm just downloading some of these stories, it pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop, and we're going to find... And I thought to myself, well, I remember the guy calling in about that. I think I'm going to check this out and see if it's really true. Do they have my Social Security number and shoe size and my mortgage payment, all this other stuff? To make a long story short, three credit card numbers later, I mean, really, I'm, I'm a moron. Did I ever get the the registration number? No. And I emailed him a couple of times. Well, you didn't send me this. And a guy whose name is Jeff Van Dyne, who must be the whole operation, by the way, because I noticed in this one hostile, hysterical letter, uh, which I'll get to in a second, that that's the guy they named. And he emailed me back, well, uh, we did this and we did that. And and then I emailed again saying, hey, I still don't have no registration number. And So to make a long story short, I had to cancel three credit card numbers last night just to make sure that they don't wind up uh, charging a whole bunch of crap on there including their service, which is crap. Online detective. Let me tell you right now, a little warning to all you people who like to potch your mouth online. Everything sounds great, okay? When it sounds too good to be true, or it sounds really, um, if it's reputable like Amazon.com or eBay or something like that, and you know it's like a real legitimate thing, then that's a different story. But if it's one of these come-on deals, the odds are overwhelming that it's, it's a crank. It's just a uh, fraud. So there's a website, www.badbusinessbureau.com about all the different rip-offs. And there are a whole bunch of these letters on there. Here's one that says, Why Online Detectives Should Be Arrested, Rip-Off. And there was another one, They All Ought to Be in Jail. So if you want to go, uh, you know, snooping around into people's business, uh, go get a pair of binoculars. But don't uh, sign up for these online detective things, because at least this one is uh, full of crap. Nice going there, Jeff Van Dyne, you piece of turd, you. In fact, the one guy says, he says, I went into... uh, for a search of my brother who hasn't been heard from in eight years, the only information they could provide was what to do if I was ever to move to Texas. They couldn't even locate me, and I have a listed phone number, owned my home for over three years, and they already had my address, <laughs> and they still couldn't find me. How do you like that? Great. That's pretty good detective. Okay, our poll on uh, Friday and over the weekend, we asked, who do you think is the most dangerous person in the world today? Who is the most dangerous? Be afraid. Be very afraid. Yes, sir, Amafart is there at the bottom with 38. He and Sharon were like neck and neck, uh, nose to nose. And, boy, can't you see that, that nose <laughs> to that nose? Arafart, 38. Ariel Sharon, 41. And then, then we started to move up into the real contenders. Right. They were also rams. They were small potatoes. The Pope, 119. And Miguel says to me, how come you're putting the Pope on the list? <laughs> well, hey, we're still going through that with Miguel. I thought I talked to that boy. Oh, I mean, he's a wonderful guy, and he's, uh, you know, done a lot of work for us for nothing, all that stuff, and he looks really great, but uh, a little slow. Anyway, the Pope 119, Osama Yamama bin Laden 161, and like I said Friday, I'm sure he would have had a lot more votes if we, had, if we knew if he was dead or alive. That might help. Because, you know, if you're dead, you're not as dangerous as when you're alive. Well, I don't know. Except, except in South Florida, where the, uh, you know, the voters, in fact, the voters who are dead are more dangerous than the ones who are alive, because they're generally the ones who swing the election. Right. By the way, Janet, you still lose. We'll get to that. She's, she ain't going to get it. <laughs> Good. No, she's not going to get it. I know. I mean, they tried desperately. They went to uh, Xavier Suarez's house. They got the list of all the dead people, <laughs> and they had each one of them vote three times, and they still couldn't put her over the top. You lose, Janet. And all you idiots out there, all you Democrats who voted for Janet... You've got a death wish. You keep voting for people who can't win an election, God damn it. Bill McBride, he's our man. Oh. He may be a Yahoo, he may be from Tampa, but he's going to beat Jeb Bush in November. You mark my words, man. He's going right. to kick his ass. Anyway, Osama 161, Saddam Hussein 304, and winning the poll in a landslide, George W. Bush. Oh. 465 votes, 41.2% say GW is the most dangerous man and the most dangerous person in the world. How do you like that? I like it. 
Yeah, we know how you voted, and so did I. Yeah. Here's our poll today. Eric was telling me last night if you'd if I'd fax him the poll before the show, everybody would like um, you know make it a lot easier. Yeah, I didn't do it. Well, I didn't do it because, first of all, we had to spend, George and I had to spend 20 minutes this morning unscrewing up the goddamn connection again because every goddamn, see, the problem at QAM is everybody's got a title. We have too many chiefs and no Indians. Everybody's got a, even like Carlos, who ain't even get paid in there, Carlos is like the chief uh, intern uh, associate uh, computer uh, whiz. Yeah, everybody's got a, a, a title. But there was nobody to get anything done. So every time we have a Dolphin game, now we're... By the way, how about those Patriots? Oh, oh man. That Tommy Brady undressed the Jets yesterday, just picked them to pieces 44-7, to while your Dolphins, by the way, held on desperate. Desperate. And if the Colts would have had, you know, any sense of what the clock was doing at the end of the game yesterday, they might have actually pulled out a time and sent that game in overtime. It was pretty embarrassing there at the end. But they just kind of took their time while the clock was ticking along to make sure they didn't have time to catch up. They might have had like three more plays if somebody would have kicked them in the ass. But how about that Tommy Brady and those Patriots again, huh? Oh! That Steeler win was no fluke. Nobody wants to believe in them. But anyway, even George. So here's what? our poll question today. How do you feel? I interrupted myself. I was talking about the fact that we couldn't get the damn stuff on. Because every Sunday now we got a Dolphin game. And two hours before the Dolphin game, there goes my audio. Now, does that have to happen? In other words, the way that they have it hooked up, there's no way that I can hear... Because that deprives me of the chance to hear Mo calling Dolphin right. game. Are, are you asking me a, oh. a technical question about that? Well, no, that but you had to go in there and unscrew it up this morning, which we had a great difficult time. It took us 20 right. minutes, and there was all that echo and reverb. And, and of course, today, being uh, Yom Kippur, being a Jew holiday, everybody's Jewish. So we got no Beast. We had no Robert Grieper. We got no Mo. We got no Gildy. And uh, they had somebody just came in off the street to run the board for uh, Zagaki this morning. So you're suggesting that they only record the Dolphin event, including the pregame show, on one medium yeah that's what oh, no, we have to have, we have, to have several backups Big, right we have to have many backups because we certainly don't want to lose that stuff because that that's the uh, bread and butter that's the meat and potatoes of qm is the dolphin game <laughs> not this show this show hey we get whatever like the phone thing over here does it work no of course not why don't you take some calls neil can't not that we want to but we can't you wait till tomorrow when we're going to have like uh, and we got some big news coming tomorrow by the way i can't tell you what it is today i could but you know, Clarence's ego is like, uh, I don't know. He, he's, he, Clarence, put one toe on the ground, okay, sweetheart? Put down the homentosh, and it's not, on the wrong holiday. You're supposed to be fasting today. I'm fasting till 1 o'clock. In fact, you know something? <laughs> Just out of spite, I might, during this next break, I might run to the other room and get some out of the refrigerator. Ridiculous. So anyway, it took us 20 minutes. So, Eric, I'm sorry if I didn't have time to fax you the poll because we were busy trying to see if we could get this show on the air today. And this is going to go on all during football season because right. the engineering department, number one, sucks. They won't, like, put up a memo in there saying to whoever the board op is, like, like at midnight on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Midnight Sunday night. Like, make it automatic. Punch back uh, so Neil gets the audio. Punch back to the way it Look, was before. Even, even if. You should see all the signs, like the return pot. Remember the return pot get, getting shut off in the other room that nobody's supposed to be yeah, in Yeah, the return way. pot. Right. And That's your customers bringing it back because tapes. it had too many seeds in it. All over the place. Late and it was it, oregano and, anyway. Yeah. George sells oregano. So anyway, the bottom line is uh, we spent 20 minutes doing that. Here's the poll. I'm sorry, Eric. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? Five choices. This might take you a minute or two, Eric, because they're kind of... Uh, choice number one. Let's rule. Sodom has to go. Choice number two. I'm for it if our allies join in. Choice number three. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone. Choice number four. I'm against it. The uh, timing smells of politics. 
Or choice number uh, five, I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor. Don't you think that pretty much covers all the bases? I think one and three are similar. No. Oh, there I go again. Will you stop? That was just like that fair thing about the job you did. That that poll came out pretty good for you, and you, you just uh, can't stop. That's me. Yeah, just keep in mind, even with your fever and your crafts that you've had, just keep in mind, poll is not your, uh, it's not your area of expertise. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? Let's roll. Sodom has to go. I'm for it if our allies join in. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone. I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. Or I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor. There's your choices on our very, very important poll today, okay? Because it's not a question of if. It's just a question of when. We're going in, man. Because they got a lot of oil there, too, which I'll get to those stories. A lot of good stuff today. Reno closes the gap, but she still loses. Sorry, honey. Get back in your pickup truck and get lost. 913, and by the way, you hear that alien that wants to see you. 913 at 560 WQM. The beast is up to 54 pounds, by the way. You weren't there. You were busy being sick. I have a note here. You were busy being sick Thursday and Friday, but the good news is the beast has lost 54 pounds on balance for life. Summer's just about over. So you don't have to worry about bathing suits, but how about worrying about the rest of your life? How about worrying not just about looking good and putting on some real clothes, but also saving your life? How about your health? That's what it's all about, really. Balance for life is the great way to do it because uh, there's no more cooking, no shopping, no cleaning, no worries, no calorie counting, no carbohydrate counting because they do all of that for you. They bring you a little black sack right to your doorstep by 6 o'clock every morning like they've been doing for the Beast the last several months, and inside that black sack is all the food you're going to eat that day. No a little no little tiny containers for a parakeet, nothing frozen, no crap, nothing artificial, but the freshest and the best, most delicious ingredients, three gourmet meals and two delicious snacks are in there, along with a little 16-ounce bottled water. And, of course, some days you might even have a tough time finishing all the food. The only choices you have to worry about making are between two alternatives for every meal each day that you're on the program. They give you a little menu sheet, and you pick out what you like. So let Balance for Life help you lose those pounds fast, painlessly, and the delicious way. Call them today and get started. No time at all. You'll be watching those pounds fly off your fat, dying body. Call 954-568-3229, 954-568-3229, or check out their website at balanceforlife.com. Anybody have a heart or a liver? 560 WQAM presents the Opie and Anthony Show with Mo Howard Davidson. This is Opie. And I'm Anthony. Yeah, wait a minute. It's me with the low voice. Oh. Yeah, you got the affected voice. Okay. Hi, Anthony. Yeah, hi, Opie. And uh, let's not forget our old pal Mo Howard Davidson. Yeah, I was wondering how long it would take for you two punks to get around to me. Well, that really hit the big time, huh? Here I am with the O.P. on Anthony. Hey, Mo. What? Take off your pants. Yeah, we're going to rape you now. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. This is a family show. Ah, uh, wrong. This is the Go Pee on Anthony show. Now, come on, stretch. I thought you guys only did that in church. Yeah. Hey, get your hands out of it. Get out of there. Shut up and submit. That's my delicate. Don't touch my delicate. I'm tender. <laughs> Why does everybody want to rape me? Why? Because we think it's funny, that's why. Yeah, you got a nice back. Oh, I got news for you, Pally. I'm still spray. Aye, aye, ought to pulverize you. Oh. Okay. I got his hands tied, Opie. Oh. Want the red ball? No, not for this. All right, Ma, open wide for Chunky. Let's sing that together now, shall we? Okay. Open wide for Chunky. All right, stop thinking, Anthony. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Use your lips. 
920 at 560 QAM. Seven votes. The poll is up. Let's roll. Sodom has to go. Rectum. Has got the four. I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. Two. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor. One. Seven votes in the preliminary total. Maybe we should save those votes for Janet. What do you think? Reno closes gap to 5685, but probably will fall short. Miami-Dade County continued finding votes yesterday, even as Broward's tally remains stable and Janet Reno's hopes of beating Bill McBride for the Democratic nomination for governor seem to fade. All right. By last night, officials from both campaigns confirmed that the latest tallies in Dade uh, gave, had given Reno a net gain of 2,511 votes, but McBride still holds a 5,685-vote lead in advantage that may be difficult for Janet to overcome. The former U.S. Attorney General's best hopes now rest in more than 265-day voting machines that still haven't been examined, but because many of those machines weren't used on Election Day, the prospect of fighting more uncounted votes inside them may be slim, officials said. I guess if they weren't used on Election Day, the chances of finding many votes should be pretty slim, okay? Okay. But you never know. Not in Dade County. Oh, my God, we just found 10,000 votes! They don't expect there to be many more, Dave Mayor Alex Pinga Pequena said late yesterday. Reno said she won't contest the election no matter how close the vote when counties send their final members to the state tomorrow, and results are to be certified this Wednesday, and then we can get on with it, okay? Oh. Finally, thank God. As they continue making every kind of caustic comment about Florida, and deservedly so, on every goddamn show, even the animals, even on those goddamn animal channels on the uh, digital cable, they're making sniggering comments about the damn uh, state of Florida. So anyway, getting back to my book, which you missed the good stuff on Thursday and Friday. Yeah. The book Forbidden Truth by Jean-Charles Brissard and Guillaume Desquet. I'm going to read just a few more pages today, which I read the foreword in the introduction. I'm not going to read the whole book on here. Don't get panicky, although it probably would be a good idea. Probably get Tom Jicka upset. By the way, Tom, great articles over the weekend. Tom's got 15 articles a day now to make up for the fact that I ripped him. And they also took the, that cooking thing out of there again. boy, Tommy. He's got 30 articles a day now he's writing to make up for lost time after I fingered him for the fact he doesn't write anything. And all they had in there is the Sunday Q&As and the cooking uh, schedules. That's pretty heavy duty, baby. After the 1979 hostage crisis at the American Embassy in Tehran, the State Department's most important objective in the region was to support the pro-Western monarchies and weaken the Islamic Republic of Iran. From then on, American security analysts wanted to contain the Shiite sphere of influence in that region. Supporting radical Sunnites like the Taliban was an excellent way of accomplishing that. Other more economic reasons drove them to such a position. Starting in 1991, various American oil companies, including Chevron, Chevron, became heavily involved in Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, and Kyrgyzstan. As it happened, Russia refused to allow them to use its pipelines to transport those energy resources to oil terminals. By 1994, all of the elements were in place to transform the Taliban into the peacemakers everybody had been waiting for. One man would meet these expectations and was instrumental in soliciting outside help to bring the Taliban to power. Naturally, it was an oil man. But Carlos Bulgaroni is not Saudi Arabian or Pakistani or American. He's Argentinian. He's the president of BRIDAS, the fourth largest energy group in Latin America, based in Buenos Aires and founded after WW2. In the 1970s, BRIDAS became a world player 
With India and Pakistan on the brink of war in 91 and 92, British executives reorganized, or rather recognized, the necessity of forging partnerships with new executives in the former Soviet republics, especially in Turkmenistan. From their offices in Islamabad, they envisioned a stable Afghanistan run by leaders who were willing to cooperate with them so they could build oil and gas pipelines connecting Turkmenistan to Pakistan. Vilgaroni stuck his first deal with the government of Turkmenistan in January 92 to exploit a gas field in Dalatabad. On March 15, 1995, he brought together Pakistani and Turkmen officials who signed an agreement in principle for the construction of a pipeline crossing Afghanistan. Oh! At that point... Bulgaroni invited other oil companies to join his business venture, including Unical, one of the largest oil corporations in the U.S. The Union Oil Company of California was founded in Santa Paula in 1890 and changed its name to Unical in 1983. One of the success stories of the energy industry became under the direction of its president, Roger Beach, one of the world's largest independent oil and gas producers in the 90s. A savvy businessman, Beach immediately recognized the potential of Carlos Bulgaroni's offer, so much that he decided he could do without Brita services and invest in the region without their help. To improve his bargaining position and get financial backing, he enlisted the help of another group, the Saudi company Delta Oil. On October 21, 95, executives from Unical and Delta Oil signed an agreement with the president of Turkmenistan based on gas exports evaluated at $8 billion, which included a plan for the construction of gas pipeline that would cross Afghanistan. The cost of the undertaking was estimated at $3 billion. At that point, support for the Taliban was not only geostrategically important, but it was an economic priority. Meanwhile, the Saudi secret services of GID, led by Prince Turkey al-Faisal, decided to give massive financial support to the Taliban, most important providing them with communications networks, but also with dozens of Japanese-manufactured black pickup trucks with tinted windows. Saudi Arabia withdrew support for the ethnic Uzbek and Tajik factions, who quickly found themselves without means and lost ground. With unanimous support, the fundamentalists stormed Kabul and took power on September 27, 96, much to the general satisfaction of those around. If this leads to peace, stability, and international recognition, then this is a positive development, said a delighted Chris Taggart, a Unical vice president. The months between Unical and Delta's deal with Turkmenistan and the Taliban's takeover of Kabul saw an unusual amount of interest from the U.S., which had left the region for dead after the Soviet withdrawal in 89. They were represented by the likes of Robin Raphael, then U.S. Assistant Secretary of State responsible for South Asia, and U.S. Republican Senator Hank Brown, a supporter of the Unical Pipeline Project, as well as a recipient of campaign donations from it, a longtime friend of Pakistani interest on the Senate floor, and a member of the influential Senate Subcommittee on Foreign Relations. Both justified their interest by expressing their fears of regional instability and humanitarian disaster. And we sure know that there was nobody more humanitarian than the Taliban. Brown turned Afghanistan's rival stronghold, spoke with all warring sides, and invited them to attend a conference in Washington later that year. At the conference, which Unical helped to fund, he said, the purpose is to seek advice about how to rebuild U.S. interest in Afghanistan and help the Afghanis develop their own peace initiative. Rafael expressed similar sentiments when she visited Afghanistan a few months before the Taliban seized power in April of 96. We continue to be concerned about the humanitarian situation here and especially concerned about the political instability and potential for its spreading in the region. Another comment of hers, however, suggests that the U.S. renewed interest wasn't entirely humanitarian. We're also concerned that economic opportunities here will be missed if political stability can't be restored. Perhaps what she had in mind was that Marty Miller, president of, uh, vice president of UNICAL, told the Washington Post when he revealed that his firm had plans to build two mammoth pipelines across Afghanistan to carry oil and gas from Turkmenistan to Pakistan, but all potential sources of financing have consistently advised us there will have to be a single entity governing Afghanistan that has international recognition before they'll invest any money. While the U.S. may have positioned itself as an independent mediator, the Kabani government, then besieged by the Taliban, accused the U.S. of ignoring Pakistan's support for the Taliban. 
What is important is that the U.S., despite the fact they knew Pakistan was arming and supplying the Taliban, remained silent on the issue, Kabani said. Their silence ended tentatively after the Taliban's takeover. Glenn Davies, a State Department spokesman, said the U.S. could see nothing objectionable about the brand of Islamic law the Taliban had imposed on the regions it controlled, while Senator Brown chimed in, these fellows are deeply religious and strongly anti-Soviet. And as the journalist Richard McKenzie recounted in The New Republic two years later, in one encounter a few months before the Taliban entered Kabul, a mid-level bureaucrat at the State Department perched on his couch and tried to convince me that the Taliban really wasn't such a bad bunch. You get to know them and you find they really have a great sense of humor, he said. Yeah, they have a great sense of humor. That's why they dress like that. This a movement that even the government of Iran denounced as medieval. Back in the U.S., members of two of the most influential foreign policy research institutes took up the Taliban cause. Barnett Rubin, of an Afghanistan specialist on the Council on Foreign Relations, had this to say in October of 96. The Taliban do not have any links to Islam's international radicals. In fact, they hate them. While Zalmay Khalizad, a senior strategist at RAND Corporation, who had served in the State and Defense Departments in the Reagan and Bush administration, and UNICAL consultant urged the United States to engage the Taliban. Based on recent conversations with Afghans, including the various Taliban factions and Pakistanis, I'm confident that they would welcome an American re-engagement. The Taliban does not practice the anti-U.S. style of fundamentalism practiced by Iran. It's closer to the Saudi model. The group upholds a mix of traditional Pashtun values and an orthodox interpretation of Islam. How eloquent. Only a month after taking power, the Taliban were already talking about the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan and how they owe their spectacular ascent to the Saudi fundamentalist dictatorship that supported them financially, and especially the religious leaders of that country who espoused an ultra-Orthodox and reactionary brand of Islam. Mohammed Omar proclaimed himself spiritual leader and assumed the title of mullah. Then the Taliban summarily executed the former pro-communist president who had taken refuge at the U.N. premises in Kabul. Well, there's a couple more paragraphs, but I better do the break or we're going to get way into behind, you know what? Yes. Okay, just calm down. 928 at 560 QAM. Well, hey, it's uh, Todd Dreck again. He's Jewish today, ain't he? Uh -huh. That's right. He ain't around, so we certainly don't have any copy. Anyway, if you want to become a computer professional and start making some serious bucks, you know where to go. Fast Train. This is the only school that's got four convenient locations in Dane Broward, including the new one in Kendall. They've got the certified Microsoft instructors waiting for you. Convenient day, evening, and weekend classes whenever it fits into your schedule. And they've got a full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience getting you placed in a job where you can make some serious bucks. And they can get you completed with that program and certified in just four short months. So if you're tired of your dead-end job, if you're tired of working for a bunch of assholes, here's the deal. Pick up that phone and call Fast Train today at one eight six six fast train The call is toll-free. Ask away. They'll be happy to answer all your questions. No obligation. one eight six six fast train or check them out on the web at FastTrain.com. And when you call, be sure and tell them Todd Dreck told you to call. Thirty-four at five sixty WQM. Happy Monday to you. On Happy Yom Kippur. Now there's like uh, two paragraphs left to chapter three here. Can I do it now? Okay. Are you find this uh, pretty interesting? I'm style? riveted. At the end of uh, the terrible Afghan winter in '97, the Taliban's call seemed to be heard. With the religious militias controlling almost ninety percent of Afghanistan, oil experts and diplomats posing as businessmen were already on site. The pipeline project was on the way to realization. 
Unical expanded its teams in Islamabad, sending several representatives to Kabul and especially to Kandahar, the stronghold of their new and precious allies. The oil company didn't skimp on expenses in any area. It offered $900,000 to the Center for Afghani Studies at the University of Nebraska, which spent the money funding various education infrastructure projects in Kandahar. Eminent figures joined the charitable enthusiasm. Among them was Gerald Boardman, the former director of the Peshawar Office of USAID, U.S. Agency for International Development, who opened a school to train some 400 Afghan teachers, electricians, carpenters, and pipe fitters to help Unical lead the pipeline. Robert Oakley, former U.S. ambassador to Pakistan, was hired to oversee the diplomatic division of this Afghan gold mine. He set up shop in Islamabad in the offices of Gas, a local consortium created by Unical. On the Saudi side, in addition to Delta Oil, all of the princely families wanted to profit from the new Taliban leadership, which was bringing order to the region. As for Britis, after Unical's betrayal, the Argentinian company was eager to find new partners. It approached Ningharko, a Saudi company with close ties to Tur- uh, Turkey Al-Faisal, director of intelligence for the GID. That's the end of Chapter 3 in that book, Forbidden Truth. You really ought to go out and buy it. It's paperback, and it'll give you really, you know, it's for the people who want to really understand what's going on in the world. It all comes back to two things, money and oil, oil and money. That's what it's all about. In fact, in yesterday's Washington Post, writes Dan Morgan and David B. Ottaway, in Iraqi war scenario, oil is the key issue. Oh! Isn't that amazing how every time you, anything that has to do with Bush and Cheney and Cheney and Bush, that three-letter word keeps coming back over and over again, O-I-L. Oi! A U.S.-led ouster of Iraqi President Saddam Hussein could open a bonanza for American oil companies long banished from Iraq, scuttling oil deals between Baghdad and Russia, France, and other countries, and reshuffling world petroleum markets, according to industry officials and leaders of the Iraqi opposition. Although senior Bush administration officials say they haven't begun to focus on the issues involving oil in Iraq, American foreign oil companies have already begun maneuvering for a stake in the country's huge proven reserves of 112 billion barrels of crude oil, the largest in the world outside Saudi Arabia. The importance of Iraq's oil has made it potentially one of the administration's biggest bargaining chips in negotiations to win backing from the U.N. Security Council and Western allies for President Bush's call for tough international action against Hussein. All five permanent members of the Security Council, the U.S., Britain, France, Russia, and China, have international oil companies with major stakes in a change of leadership in Baghdad. It's pretty straightforward, said former CIA Director R. James Woolsey, who's been one of the leading advocates of forcing Hussein from power. France and Russia have oil companies and interest in Iraq. They should be told that if they are of assistance in moving Iraq to a decent government, we'll do the best we can to ensure that the new government and American companies work closely with them. But he added, if they throw in their lot with Saddam, it'll be difficult to the point of impossible to persuade the new Iraqi government to work with them. Indeed, the mere prospect of a new Iraqi government has fanned concerns by non-American oil companies that they'll be excluded by the U.S., which will almost certainly be the dominant foreign power in Iraq in the aftermath of Hussein's fall. Representatives of many foreign oil concerns have been meeting with leaders of the Iraqi opposition to make their case for a future stake and to sound them out about their intentions. Since the Persian Gulf War in 91, companies from more than a dozen nations, including France, Russia, China, India, Italy, Vietnam, and Algeria, have either reached or sought to reach agreements in principle to develop Iraqi oil fields, refurbish existing facilities, or explore undeveloped tracts. Most of the deals are on hold until the lifting of U.N. sanctions. But Iraqi opposition officials made clear in interviews last week that they will not be bound by any of the deals. We'll review all of these agreements definitely, said Faisal Karagoli, a petroleum engineer who directs the London office of the Iraqi National Congress, an umbrella organization of opposition groups that's backed by the U.S. Our oil policy should be decided by a government in Iraq elected by the people. (laughs) Right. Ahmed Chalabi, the INC leader, went even further, saying he favored the creation of a U.S.-led consortium to develop Iraq's oil fields, which have deteriorated under more than a decade of sanctions. American companies will have a big shot at Iraqi oil, Chalabi said. 
The INC, however, said it's not taken a formal position on the structure of Iraq's oil industry in the event of a change of leadership. While the Bush administration's campaign against Hussein is presenting vast possibilities for multinational oil giants, it poses major risks and uncertainties for the global oil market, according to industry analysts. Access to Iraqi oil and profits will depend on the nature and intentions of a new government, whether Iraq remains a member of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, for example, or seeks an independent rule free of OPEC's cartel quotas, will have an impact on oil prices and the flow of investments to competitors such as Russia, Venezuela, and Angola. While Russian oil companies such as Lukoil have a major financial interest in developing Iraqi fields, the low prices that could result from a flood of Iraqi oil into world markets could set back Russian government efforts to attract foreign investment in its untapped domestic fields. That's because low-world oil prices could make costly ventures to unlock Siberia's oil treasures far less appealing. Bush and Cheney have worked in the oil business and have long-standing ties to the industry, but despite the buzz about the future of Iraqi oil among oil companies, the administration, preoccupied with military planning and making the case about Hussein's potential threat, has yet to take up the issue in a substantive way, according to U.S. officials. The future of Iraq Group, a task force set up at the State Department, does not have oil on its list of issues, a department spokesman said last week. An official with the National Security Council declined to say whether oil had been discussed during consultations on Iraq that Bush has had over the past several weeks with Russian President Puntang and Western leaders. On Friday, a State Department delegation concluded a three-day visit to Moscow in connection with Iraq. In early October, U.S. and Russian officials are to hold an energy summit in Houston at which more than 100 Russian and American energy companies are expected. Representative Kurt Weldon, Republican of Pennsylvania, said Bush is keenly aware of Russia's economic interest in Iraq, stemming from a $7 to $8 billion debt that Iraq ran up with Moscow before the Gulf War. Weldon, who has cultivated ties close to Putin and Russian parliamentarians, said he believed the Russian leader will support U.S. action in Iraq if he can get private assurances from Bush that Russia will be made whole financially, in other words, get their money back. Officials of several major firms said they were taking care of avoid, to avoid playing any role in the debate in Washington over how to proceed on Iraq. There's no real upside for American oil companies to take a very aggressive stance at this stage. There will be plenty of time in the future, said James Lucier, an oil analyst with Prudential Securities. But with the end of sanctions that likely would come with Hussein's ouster, companies such as ExxonMobil and Chevron Texaco would almost assuredly play a role, industry officials said. There's not an oil company out there that wouldn't be interested in Iraq, one analyst said. And you do understand, it's just a coincidence? Yes, of course. Good. 73 votes on our poll. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. 30. Let's roll. Saddam has to go. 25. Oh! I'm for it if our allies join in. 8. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone. 5. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor. Say 5. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAM. State-of-the-art sports book, you can wager on every Major League Baseball game and even the winner of next year's Super Bowl. The Royal Oasis Casino has all the Las Vegas action you want with blackjack, craps, roulette, and slots. And for you golfers, don't forget your clubs. The Royal Oasis Resort and Casino has incredible, challenging courses waiting for you. Go for the day, the night, or stay the weekend. Call 1-800-432-2294 for reservations for the best deal and best time in the Bahamas. That's 1-800-432-2294 for reservations at the Royal Oasis Resort and Casino. The Miami Dolphins take on the New York Jets Sunday. Beamer rolls to the right, looking end zone, throws short, complete, touchdown! Touchdown, Randy McMichael! Coverage gets underway at 9 a.m. with Goldie and Countdown to kickoff. Howard, David, and Jim Maddich have the play-by-play beginning at 1, here on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Only $50. 
This fall, television changes forever. His tell-it-like-it-is style has already impacted millions of Americans. His appearances on Oprah have propelled him into the national limelight. Get ready for Dr. Phil. Well, Phil, we've been married 20 years. Don't cry. I'm not crying. Look at me when you talk. I'm, I'm, I'm looking right at you. See, your problem is you're stupid. No, you see, me and my husband... You got a big butt, too, and you're stupid. <laughs> Why are you crying? You see, I don't have any sympathy for you. Please, me and my husband... Are you an idiot? We haven't had sex in like 10 years. Well, I wouldn't have sex with you either. Look at the can on you. <laughs> Dr. Phil. You know, the problem seems to be I come home, I want to watch TV. Don't I want... tell me about you. Tell me about her. Well, I'm not trying to tell you. She comes into the room. Don't and... tell me what she does. Tell me what you do. I sit in the chair and I have the TV on. No, and you're she comes... too busy watching TV is your deal. That's what men want to do. We just want to watch TV. You can't do it. Well, I want to do it. And well, you do... can't do it. See, your problem is you're dumb. You're a dumb watching TV idiot. Excuse me? I said you're a dumb. Don't eyeball me like that. I'm trying to help you. You're on my show. You don't have your own show, do you? You know, you need some of this. Oh, how about this? Oh, idiot. Oh, Dr. Phil. See, Dr. Phil, he just doesn't... Now, why are you talking so quiet? You see, already I can tell that you're a pushover. But but he just doesn't... Don't open... tell me what he does. But I just don't understand How why... about some of this for you, too? Ah! Some of this. Ah! Dr. Phil, this fall. Here you go, Mr. Announcer Boy. There's some love for you, too. Okay, so today's the big day. Oh! I know you're excited about that. Oh, yeah. In fact, I got my recorder. It's a good, a damn good thing. I don't know how that came up. I was playing a little bit of that for it because you were out last week when I played it. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, my God, guiding lights on at 10 o'clock this morning on CBS. And I ran in the other room. I put on CBS, and I started my uh, VCR rolling. How do you like that? So right. I can watch a commercial free like between 1 and 2 while I'm having a couple of cheeseburgers today in honor of Yom Kippur. And then the three, from 3 to 5, you can turn your TV off or find anything else. Because Dr. Phil, back-to-back -back with that fat, disgusting bitch with his uh, partner in crime between a 3 and 5. Oprah. Will, make, will give you a bad indigestion, give you really bad. So Friday, Cliff Gorman uh, croaked. You know who Cliff Gorman was? No. Neither did I. Because we were talking about how, you know, famous people generally die in threes. And Johnny Unitas and Kim Hunter, the actress who was blackballed, uh, they died. And then uh, Miguel blurts out, Cliff Gorman. I'm in the middle of some story I'm doing here. Cliff Gorman. Uh, what? Who? Kim Cliff Hunter, Gorman. Kim Hunter died? She's dead. Oh, man. Uh, exactly. That was my feeling. Johnny Unitas and Kim Hunter, two very famous people. She was a good actress, but she got blackballed because she was a liberal Democrat. And, of course, back in the early 50s, it was the McCarthy oh era, commie, pink, over. exactly, communist, uh, the early 50s, just like uh, you know the old Cubans are living right now, 50, 60 years ago. So, anyway, uh, they died, and he's trying to say Cliff Gorman in the same category. I said, nobody knows who that is, including me. So I do a search on the uh, Internet here, and I find out one of the movies he was in was Hoffa. Okay. Did you see Hoffa? No. You didn't see it? No. And so, once again, my psychic powers uh, were going to work again, or it was just a coincidence, which is more likely. Guess what movie was on on one of my movie channels over the weekend? <gasps> Hoffa? Yeah. And I'm sitting here Friday thinking, well, who the hell was in that movie? It was very well done. And it was Jack Nicholson who played right. Hoffa looking, well, how do you know uh, right if you didn't see it? I saw the previews. And he didn't look anything like Jack Nicholson. It was the only movie he was ever in mm -hmm. that I can think of where he played a totally different role, and the makeup was incredible, and he looked uh, a little bit like Hoffa. But it's certainly good, nothing good. like Jack Nicholson. Danny the DeVito was in there. With Danny the DeVito. Right. It was uh, good. And I watched it again over the weekend. Good movie. So I just mentioned that, and Cliff Gorman is still dead, and we still don't know who he was. 
Okay, just real quickly, because you were out for two days sick, and anybody else who missed when I was reading this forward from this book, Forbidden Truth, just one, one or two sentences. First, and it's talking about the uh, Bush's close advisors, first in rank was the placid, enigmatic Condoleezza Rice. Even glossy celebrity magazines are interested in her listing the same pedigree each time. Professor at Stanford, Soviet specialist, and former security counsel under Bush Sr. in charge of Soviet affairs. Meanwhile, from 1991 to 2000, Rice was a director of the Chevron Group, one of the leading oil companies in the world, in which he notably dealt with questions related to developments in Kazakhstan. I, I just read that again. I don't know what inspired me to do it, just in case you missed it the first time. Okay? Okay. Just a coincidence, don't you think? Yeah, of course. You're trying to make something of that? So these uh, three uh, clowns, who, of course, are now making the rounds, they were on with uh, Aaron Brown. You know something? <laughs> and I wanted to fall to the ground. Man. They were on again Friday night, and they're going to be on with King tonight, of course, who's going to lick their ass. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. All three of them, including the one with that smock on his head, these three punks. And it's very obvious as you try. Of course, it's he said, she said. I say we give the Congressional Medal of Honor to Eunice Stone, just like I said on Friday, while we're sitting here the whole South Florida area, once again in a state of terror, peeing in our pants, and the media doing their usual terrible job. And now these three guys, and then they got a press conference with their relatives. Oh, we think this is terrible, and our sons are being, and our brothers are being held, and yada, yada, and they never stole a freight train. They didn't do nothing. Well, maybe if they wouldn't open up the stupid mouth and made those comments, which, of course, now they deny, because they know that if uh, it's proven that it was fraud, that they were going to wind up in big, big, fat trouble. So now it's, you know, just their word against hers. Three against one. Mm-hmm. Follow what I'm saying? So what chances poor Eunice Stone got, who, like I said, even though she's kind of a Yahoo broad from Georgia, deserves it. Because she was doing what they keep telling us to do. Be on the alert. we got a freaking orange alert. Open your ears. Open your eyes. Open your... Rectum. And uh, find out what's going on around you. And that's what she was trying to do. Right. And listen to conversations if anybody's wearing a doily on their head. Right. That's right. And maybe she was a little bit of a yenta, which is what Miguel suggested, which he's probably right. But nevertheless... Suppose they would have had a La Bamba in that car or a bunch of uh, botulism or whatever they would have had. And now they're uh, whining, oh, well, now we can't go to school at that school. Good. Good. Go to school in uh, South Dakota. they got plenty of wide open spaces up there, okay? See how they like you schmott heads no, up there. Dakota, North Dakota. Well, North, like I said, go to school in British Columbia, not like in Vancouver, but way, go to school way up in northern Ontario would be good, or way up in Quebec. Or how about in Newfoundland would be good. So anyway, the Herald writes on Saturday, and I noticed that uh, they caught something with Paula that I caught right here on the air on Friday when she said it, and I took her to task right on the air when we were carrying the audio from CNN about, uh, well, you know, there's the nuclear power plant at Turkey Point. is only <laughs> Yeah, and she says it's only a couple dozen miles east of where this is taking place. Well, guess what, Paula? You better get out your uh, measuring tape again, okay, bitch? Because this was, this was all taking place just barely east of the um, Alligator Alley Turnpike uh, uh, entrance there in Naples. Right. And to say it's only a couple dozen miles, and what is that, is the crow flies? <laughs> it's a hundred freaking miles across, okay, just a uh, stupid bitch. Just, so anyway, it says in the Herald, and if it's in the Herald, it could be right. It seems like everyone connected the dots here, WSBN Fox 7 anchor Christine Cruz said, during the sixth hour of the marathon coverage of Friday's bomb scare on Alligator Alley, it seems like everyone did what they were supposed to be doing. Like a lot of what was said during the coverage, that was about half right. Television reporters were certainly connecting dots, lots of dots, some of them seemingly from another planet. But if journalism is about facts and not hype, then they definitely weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Friday's coverage was the source of a staggering amount of misinformation among the inaccurate reports. 
Several stations reported that a woman in Georgia told police three Middle Easterners were coming to Miami to blow something up. That's not what she said. Several also said cops spotted the men after they roared past a tool booth on I-75. One car rolled by at a normal rate of speed. The other stopped and paid the tools for both cars. Buck and a half each, by the way, three bucks. The cops used explosives to detonate a suspicious knapsack found in one car. They didn't. Channel 7 reported that explosive triggers were found in one of the cars. There were no triggers or anything else to do with explosives. Channel 7 also reported that cops were searching for a third car. They weren't. It was a wretched performance. Worse yet, a wretched performance that dragged on for eight hours, terrorizing South Florida and smearing the daylights out of the three medical students who can be counted on to contribute heavily to the next edition of the Travel Guide of What Sucks About South Florida. Like I said, though, they should have kept their mouths shut. This is what's wrong with local news, said Bill Pahovey, news director of Channel 10, one of the two stations that kept their perspective on the story and stuck with regular programming. WLTV, Univision 23 was the other. This is why viewers get disgusted with local news, he said. My only quibble with Pahovey is the word local. The worst parody of journalism Friday was actually on CNN, where the high-paid, low-rated anchor Paul Azan speculated without a jot or tittle of evidence that the three men were coming to Florida to blow up the Turkey Point nuclear reactor. Now you know why CNN promotes her sex appeal rather than her news judgment. Local stations at least had the excuse that when you go live for six to eight hours, you've got to fill out the airtime with something, especially when the pictures are dull shots of cops standing around empty automobiles. At best, that stuff will get on the air without being as thoroughly checked as it should be. Hey, at worst, it may... don't what? forget the robot. Don't, oh, yeah, don't the robot. That, that was the only the interesting robot. part yeah. was that little uh, the the bomb-sniffing robot. Right. Anyway, it says, at best, that means stuff will get on the air without being as thoroughly checked as it should be. At worst, it means you telecast the votes into rampant speculation and hype. We had plenty of both on Friday. The most egregious offender was, as you'd expect, WSBN 7, where it sounded like the staff had all anchors Christine Cruz and Tom Haynes back from storming out of the causeway and personally administering lethal injections to the three detained men they'd already tried and convicted. Over and over, the cops and public officials interviewed by the station's reporters cautioned that there was no physical evidence against the men, WSVN's false report of explosive triggers notwithstanding. They hadn't been arrested, and they weren't even being called suspects yet. Over and over, Cruz and Haynes ignored them. The story started as sinister plot, Cruz warned darkly. Now it's become attack on Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Haynes wondered whether these guys, apparently on their way to Miami to do some harm to the city of Miami, were tied to Al-Qaeda. This looks like some loosely pulled together plot, he added. Later he called them three men apparently on the way to Miami with some ill intentions. Sometimes I seriously wondered if Haynes was listening to his own station. At one point, WSBN aired an interview with the Georgia woman who reported the three men to police. She described overhearing one man ask, do you think we have enough to bring it down? And another answering, if we don't have enough, I have contacts. We can get enough to bring it down. Seconds after the interview ended, Haynes summarized like this. Three men talking about driving down to Miami and using some sort of explosive device to blow it up. How he read that into those two simple sentences, I'll never know, though I'll bet Paul Azan can tell us. <laughs> what a great article. It doesn't have any credit on here who wrote this, but in Saturday's Herald. Nice going. Oh. Score one for the Herald, and it's about time. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. Q-A-Q-A-M. A dirty to me. New from Purple Plastics, it's the talking inflatable Barney. Just put the batteries in and inflate. <laughs> okay, kids. Now go get Mommy and tell her to grab the inflation tube between my legs and blow. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, that's it, Mommy. Oh, yeah. That's it, Mommy. <laughs> oh, well, Mommy, guess we'll have to start all over again. Oh. Talking inflatable oh, Barney, available now. 
Okay, I'm just looking at this Bill O'Reilly thing that you just faxed me. Yeah. Fox's O'Reilly in fight with conservatives. There's nothing unusual about Pugnacious talk show host Bill O'Reilly being in a fight. The real surprise this time is who he's fighting. In the past two weeks, O'Reilly's come under attack from the right, from the same ideologues who have helped make Fox News Channel personality one of the most popular figures on cable TV. The same fascists. The same mindless idiots. Oh, and by the way, now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that the guiding light is not on now? Oh, no. You have to be kidding me. Where Uh the hell is my guiding light? So, in other words, the local uh, Buffalo affiliate here is not carrying guiding light this morning? Ready, go. I got some stupid quiz show on now. Oh, no. And I got the tape running in the other room to tape this idiotic quiz show. Well, that's the way it goes. We'll find out about this. In fact, I may have to, because you don't know what I was thinking. You know how Hank cheats every day and does that, especially the five to six hours, either the coach wants that show or it's Beano Cook or some other. Uh, today it's Nat Moore with Hank mm-hmm. five to six, which is great. You know, it's just another way of uh, having an easy hour. I was thinking we could put the audio from Guiding Light on between 10 and 11 every morning. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? If we could time the commercial breaks together, sure. Sure, no problem. Earlier this month on the O'Reilly Factor, we had a riveting conversation with Bible-toting Stephen Bennett, a Connecticut minister who speaks out against the adoption of children by gays and lesbians. After O'Reilly called Bennett a religious fanatic, two conservative groups, Concerned Women for America and the American Family Association, urged its members to protest. Nice going, Bill. Oh! Always like that, Bill O'Reilly. You know it? Even though he's uh, full of crap. I got a hundred emails telling me I'm going to hell, O'Reilly said. That's a little personal. You know what this boils down to again? What's that? It's what he's all about, you know, just a lot of publicity and a lot of, uh, yeah. you know, keep stirring the pot, stirring the pot. Because he really isn't an ideologue. He's just, uh, you know, all about himself. He's an egotist. And it's obviously working pretty well. 118 votes on a poll. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. 47. Let's roll. Sodom has to go. 38. I'm all, uh, let's see, I'm for it if our allies join in 13. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor 13. I'm for it even if we have to go with a lone 7. That's out of 118. So let's see, against it 60 and in favor at least uh, one level of 60, uh, 58. Almost dead even. Almost, almost a standoff divided right down the middle. And you've got to give him credit, though. He's done a magnificent job, especially with that mindless speech. See, the only thing he did to the U.N., is he bullied them. He basically yeah. said, you're a bunch of paper tiger assholes. you got all these resolutions you never enforce. Are you really going to do something for once, or are you just going to sit down and be a bunch of pussies? And, of course, they got very upset about that. Oh, well, you can't say that, even though, of course, everybody knows it's true. So he did a good job of doing that. He did no job of laying out any new evidence against uh, Saddam, because we don't have any. But, you know, don't confuse the world with the fact, because it's already a done deal. It's already been decided. It's a fait accompli which is why on the front page of all the newspapers today, the Saudis said, oh, yeah, come on down. No problem. Aren't these the same Saudis who were giving us a bunch of crap about using our base in Riyadh uh, against uh, Afghanistan? Aren't those the same Saudis? Right. Yeah. Oh, no problem Yeah, but this is against Saddam. That's right. And number one, they're scared crapless that Saddam going after them. And number two, they want their peace. They want their piece of the action, baby. Just like that business about Puntang and, and Georgia. Oh, yeah, well, if you let us invade Georgia and assure us that we're going to get our piece of the action with the oil in Iraq, then uh, no problem at all. They're singing a different tune now. And lo and behold, on Friday afternoon, we get a story. Oh, yeah, Puntang warns he's uh, ready to invade Georgia. Huh. They're not too happy in Atlanta about that. In fact, CNN. In fact, <laughs> no, seriously, if they were going to go after CNN around those bastards, I'd, think I'd vote for it. Miami-bound flight delayed in Atlanta after man taken off flight. See, here's another uh, genius. Takeoff of a Delta Airline flight to Miami was delayed about an hour Friday. And this is another area where they were getting everybody panicky. Was it on, uh, this also was CNN. 
on Friday about, well, a Delta flight has been diverted, making it sound again as if there was some grotesque thing happening in Miami, other than the usual, other than the vote counting. Delayed about an hour after a man was taken off the airliner by a federal marshal because of suspicious activity. The suspicious activity wasn't specified, but several of the passengers who arrived in Miami said the man made them nervous. The man was escorted off Flight 537 by at least one federal air marshal. The passenger wasn't identified. The Miami-bound flight from Hartsfield International in Atlanta was diverted on the runway at 1137 a.m., said Brian Doyle, spokesman for the TSA. It took off an hour later. Doyle said the passenger was clutching his carry-on bag tightly. He was removed from the plane, searched a second time, and put on another flight. Flight 537 arrived in Miami around 1 p.m. It was a little nerve-wracking, said passenger Jason Mulvihill, no relation to Jason London, of Homestead. Mulvihill was sitting two rows behind the man who was taken off but didn't know what triggered the ouster. Another passenger, Jessica Valenza, whose husband is in the Navy, was on a flight to make a connection to Costa Rica or homeland. She said the man taken off the plane was sitting close to her and been acting strange and was very nervous. He gave himself away, she said. Well, he gave himself away so much that they took him off that plane and put him on another flight. How do you like that? Maybe he had, like, wild diarrhea. You can relate to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact. No. When's that next break? Any second. <laughs> That's right. Any second. Well, you, but you can get up and go. Carlos can handle it, okay? And uh, he can I, tell I'll me be, about how I'll to... I'll be fine. Did I mention that online detective is a... Don't get sucked in, all you people out there. Don't be putting your credit card numbers on the goddamn Internet. Don't get sucked into these websites with their big come on. You, you ought to really check that out. Just take a look at their <laughs> website. No, thanks. No, no, seriously. You got me uh, just, scared now. Just take a look at it. You don't have to sign up for it or register, but just take a look at how elaborate it is, and it goes on and on, and they got they got the logo of the credit cards, and they show you where to put in this number and put that number, you know, where to stick it. I'm a, I'm a schmuck. I feel like a real idiot. Bishops accused of ignoring new rules. Bishops in some Roman Catholic dioceses around the country are not following rules set by a child protection charter approved in June. A national victims advocacy group said yesterday, Members of Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, SNAP, said more than a dozen bishops have not adhered to rules of a charter requiring them to remove from public ministry priests suspected of molesting children or other sexual misconduct, hanky-panky. And by the way, Bubba's still looking for interns. The group is asking the National Review Board, chaired by Governor Frank Keating, to denounce dioceses that do not follow the Dallas Charter. Members of the Review Board, which meets today in Oklahoma City, have said local review boards need to ensure compliance, not the national board, need to be pressured into enforcing the terms of the charter. Violations include hardball legal tactics by two Oklahoma priests who filed slander suits against people who have accused them of sexual misconduct, said David Clohesse, national director of SNAP. If it comes down to a choice between protecting the reputation of one grown-up and the safety of dozens of kids, it shouldn't be a hard call, he said. It shouldn't be hard. SNAP said violations also include delays and failures to move uh, known or allegedly abusive clerics, failure to consult with diocesan lay review panels, and failure to provide the openness promised by the bishops. Snap says at least five priests who either confessed to molesting children or have been accused of it are still serving in the public ministry. The Snap allegations come only a few days after a report out of Rome that the Vatican is taking a dim view of some of the guidelines approved by the U.S. bishops on the grounds that they're too quick to judge priests who have been accused. In other developments yesterday, Cardinal Bernard Law celebrated Mass without Monsignor Michael Smith Foster, the vicar general and highest-ranking priest to be accused of sexual abuse. Law had invited Foster to appear with him at Mass after a symbolic public reconciliation, but Foster was suspended again Saturday when a former altar boy who has withdrawn a lawsuit against Foster brought forward new information. How do you like that? New information. I just mentioned that in passing, and like I told you, it was just a dog and pony show. And they just, uh, you know, they did whatever they had to do until the media finally got tired of it and went on to other things like let's blow up Iraq, stuff like that. 
See, those are the ones that have really caved in on the media, which I have a couple of stories about that. Oh, here's another airline joke. <laughs> Delta Airlines flight to leave LaGuardia Airport, about to leave for Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> we just can't stop, man. We're involved in every grimy, slimy, every piece of turd. It just, it floats. It's like ivory soap. It's not so pure, but it floats. A Delta Airlines flight about to leave LaGuardia for Fort Lauderdale Saturday afternoon returned to the gate after a passenger told a flight attendant he'd brought a bomb on board, police said. Another genius. Another rocket scientist. Passengers, in fact, let's call him, uh, let's get him down here and have him count votes. Passengers were taken off the plane and the man was arrested, said Port Authority Sergeant, uh, Police Sergeant John O'Donnell, no relation to Bill O'Donnell. A search of the man's luggage in plane with at least one bomb-sniffing dog turned up no explosives, O'Donnell said. Flight 1503 was scheduled to leave 3.30 Saturday. When a flight attendant asked the male passenger to take off some electronic equipment he was using, the man then said, there's a bomb in my bag in the overhead compartment, O'Donnell said. <laughs> Port Authority police uh, didn't release his name. Fellow passenger Carla Gudamas Gaguaramuz told CNN, the man may have been joking about having a bomb. She said she witnessed the arrest, heard him say about the bomb comment. I guess I shouldn't have said that. Oh, no Schmidt, Dude. man. The man was about six feet tall, heavy set with olive skin and dark hair. She said he had no foreign accent. Guatemala says about 100 passengers were on the plane. According to Delta's website, the flight took off shortly after 5 p.m. and was due in Fort Lauderdale shortly after 8. This is a flight that was supposed to leave New York at 3.30. And because some asshole on there said, oh, there's a bomb in the overhead. <laughs> and then he says, I guess I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> by the way, you're right about this site, by the way. Available at your local software dealer soon. Right. Online Detective 3.0. Look at that. It is. Doesn't that look legit? And as a matter of fact, I'm talking to I talked to Eric at great, at great length about it last night, and he said to me, he said, all of that stuff that's on there, 99% of it is uh, it's fraud. It's phony. It's a come on. And even if you do want to get a sign up for it, like the one guy said, they already, he already registered with his name and address, and they couldn't find his address. He already gave it to him, and he still couldn't find it. He had a listed phone number. They couldn't find that either. After I and sign they, up for this, I'm going to the Three Card Monty site. Excellent. And then go to the Monty Python site and the Monty Hall site while you're at it. It's uh, 12 minutes after 10 at 5.60 QM. Even though it's a holiday, baby, it's Yom Kippur, and we have no Jews today. Me and the Humper. Me and the Humper and Nat Moore. I forgot about him. Jim Mandich at 1, the Humper at 3, with Nat Moore from 5 to 6. Her, oh, and look at that. Well, what is that all about? What, is Hank doing a three-hour show now or what? Have you looked at the schedule? Okay, I'm looking. See, I guess we have to get that in, that Hurricane Hotline thing. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. on from 6 to 6.30 from the Heck Center. It rhymes with Drek. And uh, so Hank's got a three-hour show. He's got a two-hour show because he's got Nat Moore there. Uh, nice going there, Hank. Excellent <laughs> job, baby. Fewer hours and more money. That's what we want. That's our philosophy. Me, the Mad Dog, and the Humper. Work less, get paid more. After the Hurricane Hotline, we got the Marlins on Drek. Marlins at the Braves 705. Uh, not at. Again, uh, whatever. 7,300 yesterday announced. The big O will be on 1030 after baseball, because oh. NEK is Jewish, and Joe and Mark overnight, neither one of whom are, Mark is. Mm -hmm. But that's right, it's too late. Twelve minutes after 10 at 560 WQM, Oleomed can make you feel better. There's some great stuff in those little capsules. Just pop them right in your, pop a few in your puss. Oleomed is a soft gel capsule loaded with pharmaceutical-grade olive oil. It's got full potency, by the way, unlike when you open a bottle of olive oil and it starts to oxidize, no matter how expensive it was, extra virgin, etc., it starts to oxidize, loses its potency. But Oleomed has got the best olive oil in there, in this little capsule, along with vitamins and minerals and herbs. And the idea is to promote health for different parts of your body. They make one product specifically uh, designed to help your prostate, one for your heart, 
One for your blood pressure, your cholesterol. Oleomed's also got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of the finest olive oil that they can find. And Oleomed's got products for men and separate ones for you ladies as well. Oleomed's available in Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy in Sedanos. It's a stupendous, exciting, sensational new product. And if you want to get more about what it does and where you should put it, call their toll-free number, 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-OLEOMED, and you can order their products on their website if you like at oleomedamerica.com. Live and local, this, this is 560. The radio's all yours now. QAM. Bye-bye. I want a girl or a guy Well, my butt cheeks are clenching tight Oh, I need a big boy I want it in my seat And I'm craving a man's hot meat So I'm on a hot streak For a man to bone I want to love your back door It ain't no lie I want to make you rum so sore Cause I buy, 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 yeah I'm not only gay, I like the girls too. You know I like the girls and I smoke that pole cause I bye bye bye. Yeah, I wanna bend over for you. I'm not only gay, I like the girls too. I could score some food, but I like to pound those guy, guy, guys. 1018 at 560 WQM. Happy Monday to you. For all you Jews out there, eat something, will you? You won't rot in hell, believe me. Three people shot to death. Office building on Broadway near 40th Street in New York. No cust- no suspect in custody. Did you see that story? Nope. Well, why, what are you watching? What am I watching? Uh, Jenny Jones right now. She's got players. How come you're not watching Guiding Light? Oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Well, turn on Channel 4, which on that cable is 3 or something for just a second. Right. And see if Guiding Light is on. Uh, yes, it is. No, 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 oh, no. I don't want to play losers poker. I changed or my something is. I don't know yeah, if you've got it. That's it. And I got some stupid show on here. And you want to know why? See, on the cable here, we get the Buffalo Network affiliates, which is wonderful. But in the meantime, every now and then, Global, which is in two different spots on the cable, on 3 and 16 on my Rogers cable, uh, it like they stick stuff on there uh, arbitrarily. And they block out whatever the network program was. You follow what I'm saying? No. In other words, instead of showing you whatever the network is feeding, the Canadian cable people, they put a feed from some other thing on there. If they don't want well, to they know what's good for time. you. Well, they're right, too, because otherwise I'd be distracted here every day between 10 and 11. And <laughs> even though I'm, I'm, no, seriously, I'm taping it in the other room, but I'd be sitting here watching Guiding Light instead of CNN, and I wouldn't have known about the three people getting shot. Look, for example, there's an example right there. See what I'm saying? I see it. We have to be up on what's going on in the world, not about Jenny Jones has a bunch of naked people on. What channel is that on? Oh, you don't get it. It's on the Dubba Dubba, WB. I don't get WB? I don't know. Do you? I'll tell you. You're, you're, well, not in this room I don't. I get in the other I room, see. though, on my digital cable. Well, I don't know. In fact, last night they had a rerun. They had a two-hour special of Smallville just to get us ready for a week from tomorrow. The 24th, next week, oh! Smallville returns. Trained in tools of terror, question mark. Six men who worked, lived, and socialized together in western New York, in Batavia, no less, too, were schooled in the tools of terror. They arrested a sixth yesterday. You saw that? 
Yes. Including the use of suicide as a weapon in camps run by Osama, Yamama bin Laden's al-Qaeda network. Federal officials be saying. Federal authorities who announced the arrest of the members of the alleged terrorist cell said Osama Yamama himself lectured the men on his anti-American beliefs when they were in Kandahar, Afghanistan, in the months leading up to the 9-11 terrorist attacks. The men came home to Lackawanna, five miles south of Buffalo on the shore of Lake Erie, in June 2001. Buffalo on the shore of Lake Erie. Isn't that interesting, the way they put this on CBSNews.com, as if most people don't know where the hell Buffalo is? You idiots. You know where it is? Shores of Lake Erie? Yes. Federal agents said they had no information the cell was planning an attack in the U.S. We have the key players in Western New York FBI. Special Agent in charge Peter A. Hearn said Saturday he added the investigation is continuing. The Bush administration hailed the arrest in New York and the capture in Pakistan of a suspected 9-11 operative as a victory in the war against terrorism. The arrest in Pakistan of Ramzi bin al-Sheib demonstrated that we are relentless, we are strong, and we're not going to stop, President Bush said at Camp David, Maryland. One by one, we're hunting the killers down. One by one. Germany dropped its request for the extradition of bin al-Sheib on Sunday, opening the way for the suspected 9-11 plotter, plotter to be handed over to the U.S. after his arrest last week by U.S. and Pakistani intelligence. All right. There we go. Chalk up a couple for us guys, okay? I was going to say for the good guys, but for us guys. Because you can't always be too sure. Look at this. Democrats question Iraq timing. Well, maybe we'll get to that. Although I think I've already got that. Well, we'll see. New York Daily News says... Al Gore's son is facing a drunken driving charge. <laughs> After being arrested for allegedly driving recklessly near the Pentagon, a family spokesman confirmed yesterday. That was on Friday. The stra now, what is this? The strapping 19-year-old. Have you ever seen him? <laughs> no. He looks like he looks like a big. I don't know how to describe him. Like something out of Deliverance. I mean, he's he's just. Uh, but he's big. So I, I guess that's what they mean by strapping. A big uh, mugwump. The mugwumpish 19-year-old was pulled over for DUI by military police in the wee hours of uh, September 5th outside Fort Myer, Virginia, a short distance from the Pentagon, said Jane Cabrera, spokesman for the former VP. It was a second driving offense in just over two years. Cabrera said Al Gore III was stopped and ticketed but didn't spend any time in jail. He declined to say how and when Gore got home. The family is relieved that no one was hurt, Cabrera said. Beyond that, we're dealing with this privately as a family, kind of just like Noel. You know, the last Noel, which right. we'll get to eventually. Ned Christensen, they sp no relation to Diana Christensen, the spokesman for Fort Myer. For Fort Myer? Hmm? Oh, I see. Fort Myer, Virginia. Said the case had been turned over to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia. Said a federal court hearing will be held at an undetermined date. In other words, when they get around to it, okay? After the smoke clears. Rod Stewart's on jail for attacking a man. See, this goes in pairs. We need a third. Maybe Cliff Gorman is going to beat somebody up if, just before he dies. Too late? The son of Rod, I wonder what he played in the Hoffa, Cliff Gorman. I wonder who he was. The son, of Rocker Rod, the son of Rocker Rod Stewart was sentenced to 90 days in jail and ordered to undergo drug rehab last week after pleading no contest to attacking a man outside a Malibu, California restaurant. Sean Stewart, 22, I sure hope he isn't as ugly as Dad, was arrested December 5th and was seen kicking the man in the face and stomach, the L.A. County District Attorney Office said in a statement. Actor Dean Cain and his brother broke up the fight. Well, Dean Cain should be able to do it because he's Superman. Right. Superman with zits. Now, was this when Dean was acting butcher like a real fag, like in that movie he was in? What movie what was that? that? movie? Uh, I don't know. And that movie was on last night, as a matter of fact. I was channel surfing, and I went right by it. They followed Stewart after he fled in the car and reported the attack to police. Stewart was also sentenced. I wonder if he's kin to Dan Stewart. Oh, we're fine. Stewart was also sentenced to five years of probation in order to pay nearly 5600 bucks to the victim. He could have faced four years in state pen. In a separate case, 
Stewart was ordered to enter a drug rehab program in June after pleading guilty to possessing a controlled substance near the Viper Room nightclub in West Hollywood. I think he may have just a little bit of a problem. And, of course, if your dad was Rod Stewart, you'd probably have a problem, too, wouldn't you? Yeah, you bet. yeah a lot of money. So. <clears throat> problem looking at dad, though. Man, you think he's sexy? No. Speaking of somebody who's definitely not sexy, which is why her hubby is still out looking for interns, Swillery Clinton. This, You know what this reminds me of? It's like the Janet Reno thing all over again. It's called Democrats with the Death Wish. Right. Hillary Clinton for president, question mark. This is in the New York Daily News today. The answer is yes. It's only a question of when. It's like our attack on Iraq. It's only a question of when. Well-placed sources said yesterday, the insiders told the Daily News the New York senator is eyeing a return to the White House in 2008 or beyond. (laughs) Keep going. Yeah, keep going like 2058. The sense is that both she and President Clinton would like to see her run for president, but their first priority is getting a Democrat elected to the White House in 2004, said a longtime Clinton insider. It may be 08, it may be 12, it may be never. What she's not going to be is stupid about this. She's going to take her time and make sure he, she does her job as senator, the source said. Right. At least two other sources close to the Clintons confirmed talking Hillary launching a bid to return to the White House, and it's picked up steam among members of the couple's inner circle. Clinton kept her plans close to the vest yesterday, but in Clinton-esque fashion, what she didn't say was as key as what she did say. When asked on NBC's Eat the Press if she would accept an Oh, by the way, I noticed that uh, Colin Powell was on there again the other day, yesterday. They keep uh, they're banging on the drums, man. When asked if she'd accept the nomination for president or VP in 2004, Clinton repeated previous assertions she would absolutely not run and was 110% sure of that. When pressed about 2008, she didn't rule out a run outright, saying twice she had no plans and no intention of running. Asked why Clinton appeared to avoid simple yes or no regarding a run in 2008, when she'll be 61 or after, spokeswoman Karen Dunn said she was clear she's not running, okay? The AP reported last month that Bill Clinton's talk about his wife seeking the White House is a question of when, not if. Like the attack on Iraq, in July, she scored 20% in the CNN USA Today Gallup presidential poll, a close second to Al Gore's 28%. Remember at our poll, she did pretty good, too. Oh, I know. I, I think said. it was a joke. Clinton has managed to pull off surprises in her two years in the Senate. She's shred her frosty first lady image during a baby shower for Senator Kay Bailey Hutchinson, Republican of Texas, and even winning kudos from former uh, detractors like Senate Minority Leader Trent Lott, who likes her pom-poms a lot. 1026 at 560 WQAM. Get yourself a great new mattress, and you'll sleep like a baby night after night. It'll make you feel better. Your back will feel 100%. So if the old mattress isn't doing the job for you anymore, get you a great new mattress by calling our good, close, personal friends at dial mattress That's what I always do. Being as lazy as I am, I know this is the smart, intelligent way, not only to save time, but save a lot of cash, too. One easy call to 1-800-MATTRESS will hook you up to a betting expert. They'll get you hooked up with a mattress which is exactly the kind you're looking for, and the top brand names, whichever one you love the best. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coil, to make a long story short, the best ones in the universe. And you always get exactly the one you order, no bait and swish. And when you call dial mattress you pick the day in the two-hour window for delivery any day, seven days a week, like 10 to noon, 11 to 1, noon to 2, 1 to 3, 2 to 4, etc. 3.30 to 5.30. And you also get that three-day in-home comfort guarantee so you can test your mattress the smart way by sleeping on it and doing all sorts of obscene things on it. So pick up that phone and call them right now. Before you know it, they'll be knocking on your door when you're going to be there when it's convenient for you instead of wasting a whole day of your life sitting there with your legs and fingers crossed praying somebody shows up. Dial a mattress. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the web if you prefer at mattress.com. We're Sports Radio 560 QAM. Oh, my God, your breasts are beautiful. There should be no doubt in anybody's mind this man uh, is thumbing his nose at the world. 
But America needs to know I'll be making up my mind on how best to protect our own country, of course, our friends and allies. Hey, George, what you telling for? That we're about to go to war. Yes, you, Georgie Sr.'s little son, boy, that was dumb. Hey, George, now you're looking for that guy who threatened us before. Guess what? You made one big boo-boo see. Believe me, that was just well that you had to tell the plan to attack and he'll get whacked. That will just guarantee their leader will be absentee. Tell me why'd you have to go and tell Iraq they're gonna be invaded. You seem so dumb now, knows you're coming for him, so we'll find a way to escape it. He's the guy that, that you hate, now he's making his way underground, so I doubt that we're ever gonna find him. Honestly, I can't believe you told Iraq they'll be invaded. No, no, no. No. 1032 at 560, we contained Stalin for 40 years. With that right. gigantic nuclear arsenal, and of course we know as far as biological and chemical weapons, they put us to shame. Right. In fact, since last uh, year ago, uh, 9-11, we've been seeing all these stories about, well, uh, we don't know where a lot of that stuff is, and a lot of it's under like lock and key that you could like, uh, you know, with no guards, and you could pick the lock with the, your thumbnail, stuff like that. George could pick it, right. and the lock too. Maybe you. But, uh, you know, that we contained him for 40 years, and uh, he had all the, he wasn't like working on building a bomb. He had this gigantic arsenal of nuclear weapons. And not only that, but unlike Saddam, who killed thousands of his own people and gave him the old gas, he killed millions of his own people, Stalin. But, oh, that isn't relevant now because, well, for whatever. Linda <laughs> Stacy writes in the, huh? <laughs> no, I'm just taking it in. Join Joe and Mark tonight, 9 to 11, for Monday Night Football at Gatsby, uh, Gatsby's uh, Kendall Store. Stop by to win prizes and enjoy specials on Crown Royal. It's the Eagles and the Redskins tonight at Gatsby's and Kindle. How about those Patriots? Oh! And Tom Brady, baby. Oh! Man, did they kick some serious Jets at you. Even the Dolphin fans should have enjoyed that because they love seeing the Jets lose. But on the other hand, it might give them a little bit of pause after seeing the Lions get crushed by a girls team again yesterday, the same Lions that the Dolphins crushed uh, last week, and then, of course, beating the team that's got no defense at all, the uh, Colts, and just hanging on by their th- Thumbnails because the Colts uh, kind of ran out the clock on themselves. Amazing. But we'll see. We'll see when push comes to shove. And who would you rather have as quarterback on your team? Jay Fiedler or Tom Brady? Orange, you glad that we're not panicking, writes Linda Stacy in the New York Post. Cute. It's a cute article. Not that they wanted to cause mass panic or anything, but Tuesday the White House went orange. That's the day the feds raised the terror color, terrorist color bar to code orange, which is not as bad as red, but definitely worse than yellow, blue, or green. What are we supposed to do with this information? It was hard to know, but I do know I'm not leaving the house until we're declared full teal. We were also warned not to panic, but nonetheless be on guard for suspicious people who may or may not be terrorists carrying weapons of mass destruction. Right. See, now i got to interrupt because it says breaking news on CNN. We've got control of the bin al-Shib in Pakistan. Is that news? We got control of him. In other words, we got him by his thumbnails. Excuse me for our... I wish the guiding light was on. You know what? They make me sick. We were also warned not to panic, but nonetheless be on guard for suspicious people who may or may not be terrorists carrying weapons of mass destruction. Right. Excuse me, but this is New York. Everyone is suspicious. It's not as easy to blend in anywhere else. Take the morons who tried to pull a sick joke in Georgia last week. You can marry your own brother there and still be considered normal, but show up at a Shoney's in a skull cap and be flippant about 9-11, and you'll end up with your keister in the can. 
That's what happened when a woman overheard three young Middle Eastern-looking men making inappropriate remarks over breakfast in a Calhoun County restaurant and reported them. In the spirit of not panicking, airplanes were diverted, a 20-mile stretch of highway was shut down, and three Middle Eastern-looking young men were finally nailed and then released in Florida. The men pulled a stunt apparently to spook the woman after she stared at them suspiciously. Also in the spirit of not panicking, on Tuesday, a Northwest jet en route to Vegas was diverted to Fort Smith, Arkansas, after it was reported that three Middle Eastern-looking men locked themselves together in a restroom and shaved. Later, it was determined that the men of Indian descent had not been in the restaurant together, but that two of them had used the bathroom in succession and stayed in too long. Three questions. One, how could three guys even fit into one airplane restroom? Two, how do you not lock yourself into an airplane bathroom without falling into the bowl in the dark? And three, why do these guys get to take their razors aboard if I personally have donated six tweezers, two nail files, and one cuticle clipper to uh, various airline security guards? A Hispanic passenger who was recovering from surgery and was fast asleep was also arrested for, he claims, being dark-skinned. To mollify the terrified, diverted passengers, Northwest treated them all to pizza and beer in the, <laughs> in the Fort Smith <laughs> Airport. Hey, free airport pizza in Arkansas? Who would make an emergency landing for something like that? No one of the airline also came up with free tickets. Finally, in the spirit of really, really not panicking, Senator Patrick Leahy, Democrat of Vermont, suggested that mosquitoes carrying West Nile virus may be, in fact, a living weapon of bioterror. The feds immediately arrested 7 billion mosquitoes, but were forced to release all but 13 after the aphids claimed racial profiling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pretty good by Linda Stassi in the New York Post today. Cute. Oh, I like this. This is a great article. Never forget white, what writes Frank Rich, no relation to Fat Rich. How's Fat Rich doing, by the way? I was hoping you'd tell me. This is in yesterday's New York Times, or was it Saturday? It's like I said, in Saturday's New York Times. Frank Rich writes, never forget what? Candor is so little prized in Washington that you want to shake the hand of anyone who dares commit it. So cheers to Andrew Carr, the president's chief of staff, for telling the Times Elizabeth Bumiller the real reason that his boss withheld his full frontal moves on Saddam Hussein until September. From a marketing point of view, you don't introduce new products in August, he said. Mr. Card has taken some heat for talking about a war in which many may die, as if it were the rollout of a new SUV. But he wasn't lying, and history has already proved him right. This campaign has been so well-timed and executed that the new product already ha owns the market. The unofficial motto of the 9-11 anniversary may have been never forget, but by 9-12, if not before, the war on Al-Qaeda was already fading from memory as the world was invited to test drive the war on Iraq. Al-Qaeda may be forgotten, but it's not gone, apparently even from the suburbs of Buffalo. At least two-thirds of its top leadership stay are still at large. A draft version of a U.N. report on our failure to shut down its cash flow says Al-Qaeda is, by all accounts, fit and well and poised to strike again at its leisure. It's already struck at least a half dozen times since January. Regime change, anyone? Al-Qaeda almost brought one uh, about in Afghanistan, assuming it's likely world in the assassination attempt on Hamid Karzai. As Harry Shearer said in his satirical radio program, Lay Show, 9-11 is the event that changed everything except terrorism. But on to Iraq. Saddam might be able to build a nuclear weapon within a year, said George W. to the U.N. on Thursday. Yes, but Pakistan, where the Washington Post recently found two top cut operatives planning new missions with impunity, already has nuclear weapons within terrorist reach. Al-Qaeda terrorists escaped from Afghanistan, known to be in Iraq, said Mr. Bush on Thursday. Yes, but there are Qaeda operatives in at least 65 countries, and the Times reported this week that the largest number of them are in Afghanistan and Pakistan. Iran, identified by Mr. Bush's own State Department in May as the most active state sponsor of terrorism, Syria and Yemen are not far behind. And then there's our ally, Saudi Arabia. According to USA Today, nearly 80% of the hits on a secretive Qaeda website since June have come from addresses in the country that also spawned nearly 80% of the 9-11 hijackers, Saudi Arabia. 
that Iraq is a grave and gathering danger, the president also said, is not in doubt. But is it as grave a danger as the enemies that attacked America on 9-11 and those states that are its most integral collaborators? The campaign against Iraq, wrote Vance Grocroft, and the op-ed that launched a thousand others, is certain to divert us for some indefinite period from our war on terrorism, since major Qaeda attacks are planned well in advance and have historically been separated by intervals of 12 to 24 months. We'll find out how much we've been distracted soon enough. There is now a debate about the new war, but so far it's been a largely a parochial Washington affair, largely about process, and soon to be academic. Will President Bush ask Congress for authorization to go after Saddam? Will he consult the Security Council? We now know the answers are yes and yes, but that Congress will not stand in his way. If the Democrats can't challenge the president about taxes, they certainly won't about war. The Security Council may now sign on, too, to Mr. Bush's rightful demand that the U.N. enforce its own resolutions against Iraq. But when Saddam in all likelihood balks, we'll go to war, no matter how few our allies. If you think back to that ancient past in summer of 2001, you'll recognize the game plan from the White House's several weeks of deliberation over stem cell research. He's listening to all sides of the debate, Ari Fleischer said then, even though it was evident from the get-go that Mr. Bush would do pretty much what he always intended after a few, even after a few weeks of ostentatious listening. I guess I have to interrupt now for the break, right? Okay. Frank Rich, never forget what. There's a lot more to it in New York, New York Times uh, Saturday. You know that commie pinko New York Times? You know of that course, one? yes. 1040 at 560 WQM. Unhappy Yom Kippur to all our Jewish friends out there. Eat something, okay? Believe me. Don't go faster today. You'll be uh, holishing, man, like they say in uh, Yugoslavia. And by the way, I had a lousy time in Yugoslavia. Wasn't the name of that movie Mass Appeal with Jack Lemmon? Remember? No. Jack Lemmon and the guy from uh, One of the I know the calls. movie, but I never saw it. Charles Durning? Right. From A Stranger Calls, Big Fat Charles Durning. Anyway, if you love your home but you desperately need some more space, here's what you do. You call our good friends like hundreds of other people are doing at Strictly Editions. Whether you're having a baby and need another room, if you're converting a carport or patio into living space, or if maybe you went into business for yourself and want to make a home office, you know, so you can open up like an online detective service, call Strictly Editions. They're your one-stop shop, more space for your place, place with an absolutely worry-free approach to expanding your living space. Those no-shows by the contractors will not happen. Incomplete work? Uh-uh. No unexpected bills, no worries about the job not getting done right, and they take care of every single last detail. They draw up your blueprints, they get the building permits, handle all the inspections for you, Strictly Editions has got an easy five-step approach to total customer satisfaction. Number one, they'd be calling to schedule a free project evaluation appointment at your home where a project estimator will determine the scope of your addition. By the way, did I mention that all my uh, ants are gone, George? Yes, you did. Thanks a lot, Steve. And uh, John says you're strange, too. Two, schedule a bid appointment in their convenience room where you'll get a detailed proposal and exact price for your work. Three, select your finishing touches and go to contract. Four, review the design and architectural drawings. And five, just sit back on your lazy ass and relax as your Dream Edition moves ahead on schedule with unbeatable quality. It's so easy, it's almost like a piece of cake without the carbs and the calories. So give Strictly Editions a call at 954-791-8100. That's 954-791-8100. They're licensed, they're insured professionals who care about doing a stupendous job for you. Check out their ad in the yellow pages. Call 954-791-8100 for Strictly Editions and tell them that old Neil and Petey Lenny told you to call. Radio 560. Do could be put to death or a ticket by George W. Oh, well, 
he got the record and he's not done yet. He fried 38 in the Lone Star State, yeah. Way oh, way oh, way oh, way oh. Bush likes execution. Yes. What that guy say? I'm crying over here. 1046 at 560 WQM. We got the Mad Dog coming up at 1. Hank Goldberg being the trooper that he is, and now that he's working like about an hour a day. See, he's trying to catch up to me, I think. Hank will be on like 3 to 6. Nat Moore, 5 to 6, to make room for Hurricane Hotline at 6 o'clock. I think that's pretty white of him, don't you? Like stepping aside to make room for that great, important show. <laughs> Never forget what Frank Rich writes in the uh, Saturday New York Times, and it continues. To question the president on Iraq is an invitation to have one's patriotism be smirched. The invective aimed at those with the toughest questions, almost all of them pillars of the Republican or military establishments, have been order, borderline ugly, complete with the requisite allusions to Neville Chamberlain. But it's hard to find any doubter of the war who wants to appease Sodom or denies that he's an evil player. The question many critics are asking is, why has he jumped to the head of the most wanted list when the war on al-Qaeda remains unfinished and our resources are finite? Even those who can stomach preemptive war as a new doctrine wonder if we have our preemptive priorities straight. Peggy Noonan, as faithful a George W. partisan as there is, sharpened the question most pointedly in the Wall Street Journal editorial page last Wednesday when she implored the president to give us facts instead of sermons in making his case. Sodom is evil is not enough, she wrote. A number of people are evil and some even are our friends, like he used to be. Sodom has weapons of mass destruction is not enough. A number of countries do. What the people need now is hard data that demonstrate conclusively that Saddam has weapons of mass destruction, which he's readying to use on the people of the U.S. or the people of the West and maybe even the non-West. What we've been getting instead is one thing worse than no data, false data. For months, administration officials have been trying to implicate Iraq in 9-11 with the story of an alleged April 2001 meeting in Prague between Mohammed Atta and a Saddam spy. But the CIA can find no evidence of this, and the 21-page fact sheet the U.S. released with the president's speech mentions no Saddam 9-11 link at all. As for nuclear arms, last weekend in his appearance with Tony Blair, the president referred to a 1998 International Atomic Energy Agency report that said that Iraq was six months away from developing a nuclear weapon, adding, I don't know what more evidence we need. Plenty more, as it happens, because an agency spokesman says no such report exists. This is why those who want most to believe Mr. Bush from a conservative GOP Senate leader like Don Nichols to our allies keep saying, in Mr. Nichols' words, you're not giving us enough. It's this high-handedness that echoes the run-up to Vietnam. The analogy can be overdone, certainly, since today's armed forces are highly unlikely to find Iraq a military quagmire, and no one can even try to make a case for the legitimacy of Saddam's regime. But there's a widening credibility gap between the White House's marketing of the war and the known facts. The arrogance of this CEO administration, which gives citizens no better information than companies like Halliburton gave to its stockholders, recalls the hubris of those Ivy League and corporate whiz kids on Robert McNamara's Pentagon team who saw themselves as better and brighter than the rest of us. But on to Iraq. Anyone who believes that Mr. Bush might turn back now has not been following the path of a president who, by his own account, never second-guesses a decision. Indeed, we've already ratcheting, we're already ratcheting up our long-standing military engagement with Sodom. As we move from containment to attack mode, though, it might be best to focus on le less on procedural debates, such as the timing and wording of whatever rubber stamp approval Congress will deliver, and more on the tougher questions the administration would prefer to ignore. What happens if al-Qaeda attacks the U.S. or if Afghanistan or Pakistan falls while we're at war in Iraq? Can we continue to meet all our commitments with an all-volunteer army? As budget deficits spiral into the foreseeable future, where will we get the tens of billions of dollars we need to support the post-Saddam Iraq that we will surely inherit? Is Saddam our new focus because he's the most catastrophic threat, or is there another agenda that should be spelled out, whether it involves oil or unfinished Bush family business? 
This is the candid talk we need to have. Maybe the administration can make the case that we can simultaneously whip al-Qaeda and Saddam, secure Afghanistan for keeps, tame the rest of the axis of evil, guzzle gas in perpetuity, and keep cutting taxes for some of us, like the rich. If that's so and someone else's children will be marching on Baghdad, what patriot would not stand up and say, let's roll? What a good column, Very huh? Good. By Frank Rich in Saturday's New York Times. See, it requires a little bit of thinking, not a whole lot, just a little bit of thinking before you, like, uh, start waving a flag, let's go get him. Because a few months ago, I'd have said, hey, let's go, go get that son of a bitch, you know. And I'd also like to remind you that back during Gulf War One, back in the early 90s, were we able to kill him? No. See, he's got the, all these so-called palaces, which are, like, heavily uh, fortified right. bunkers. And, uh, you know, and in addition to which, if we, as you call it, stir the hornet's nest, and he does actually have all these chemical and biological agents, which, of course, we provided for him back during his war with Iran. Being one of those people who's not suicidal, being one of those people who, you know, he'd be more than happy to take down as many people with him as he could uh, as a last gasp effort on the way out. At that point, we'd be inviting him to use those things. Right. And then, of course, to respond to that by saying, well, if you use weapons of mass destruction, we're going to, like, blow you into the Stone Age. That means probably nuclear weapons on Baghdad. Uh. <laughs> See, this isn't World War II when we're dropping nuclear weapons on Japan to save the lives of thousands of Americans because we're in a world war and to try to end it sooner rather than later. Because the, uh, the emperor is a lunatic. Terrorist Trojan horse writes Senator Chuck Schumer in the New York Times. This was uh, also on Saturday. Much of our recent national conversation has revolved around nuclear weapons and the potential of terrorists to wreak havoc in America. But while the Bush administration is focusing attention on a potential war with Iraq, it's ignoring a less costly and less controversial method that could protect us more permanently from nuclear attack, tightening our borders by installing devices that could detect nuclear weapons as terrorists attempt to smuggle them into the country. Such devices are feasible to create and would shield us not only from Iraq, but from nuclear terrorism launched by nations like Iran or groups like al-Qaeda or Hezbollah. Just as important such a project with an estimated price tag of a billion dollars would cost far less than an invasion of Iraq. Just this week, a container ship from Liberia was stopped because of suspicions that it might contain radioactive material. Clearly, the danger that even crude nuclear weapons pose to our nation has increased dramatically in our post-9-11 world. The atomic bomb that exploded above Hiroshima was simple. Two hemispheres of weapons-grade uranium were smashed together, instantly creating a critical mass that released a blast of energy comparable to that created by exploding 15,000 tons of TNT. It was such a basic device that the scientists at Alamogordo felt no need to test it. No one doubts that today's terrorist groups have the technical expertise to make such a device. Worse still, they could smuggle such a bomb into our country, not by plane or missile, but like a Trojan horse in one of the tens of thousands of large cargo containers that enter our ports and cross our borders daily. A suicide bomber could detonate the device in the center of one of our cities, creating a disaster that would dwarf the horror of 9-11. The only thing preventing this from happening today is that terrorist groups like al-Qaeda do not have the 110 pounds of weapons-grade uranium needed to create such a bomb, if Iraq is able to produce the needed amount of enriched uranium, the danger to America would be enormous. The administration's fear that Iraq could acquire nuclear weapons is justified. There are ways to help stop this nightmare from becoming reality. Every nuclear device produces gamma rays, which pass through almost everything but lead. Today, the only device that detects these rays is a Geiger counter that must be held within two feet of the radioactive source. To have an inspector stop every container that comes to our land and water borders and enter the container and hold the Geiger counter within two feet, scores of boxes and crates in each container would bring commerce to a standstill. The good news is that scientists at our national energy labs believe the Geiger counter could be improved to detect nuclear devices 40 to 50 feet away. This super Geiger counter should be installed on every crane that loads or unloads a container of cargo bound for the U.S. and above every toll booth that trucks pass under at the Mexican and Canadian borders. 
Senator John Warner and I have introduced legislation to develop and eventually install such devices. We're attempting to add it to the Homeland Security legislation now being debated by the Senate. The Bush administration and the Congress have thus far shown little interest. The administration and some members of Congress are willing to consider spending $40 billion and risk the loss of many lives in a war with Iraq, but there's a reluctance to spend money on domestic solutions much cheaper in lives and dollars. The administration has thus far focused most of its energy on fighting terrorism abroad and has neglected the home front. At some point, it may well be that the president will demonstrate that Iraq is able to produce critical masses of weapons-grade uranium before our nuclear detection devices can be developed, but that's no excuse for failing to also pursue this peaceful and more permanent solution to our nuclear dilemma with the same zeal that we bring to the pursuit of war, wrote Chuck Schumer in Saturday's New York Times. There are an awful lot of people making a lot of sense. But, of course, the mainstream media, like I said before, they're just enchanted now, man. They've done a 180-degree turnaround. They're on the bandwagon. There was one of the talking head shows over the weekend, and I wish to hell I remembered his name. They had uh, Dennis DeConcini, is that his name, the former Democratic senator from uh, Arizona, New Mexico, where the hell was he from, South of the Southwest, and a former uh, Alaskan senator. And this Alaska senator was on MSNBC. It was great, absolutely sensational. And they uh, chopped him off. Man, he didn't get to say crap before they finally chopped his, well, uh, we're up against the break, and we want to thank you both very much. He was uh, just going ballistic. And everything he said made an awful lot of sense to me, but then what do I know? 225 votes on a poll. How do you feel about George W.'s plan to invade Iraq? And no matter how you feel, by the way, it's going to happen. I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. The aroma is in the air, man. It's wafting right through my nostrils. Ninety-three people said that. Let's roll. Sodom has to go. Incredibly. Sixty-eight people said that. I'm all for it if our allies join in, 25. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone, 20. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor, 19. So let's see, 93 and 19 is what, 112? Okay. And we got 225. You can't get closer to splitting 225 votes than 113 and 112, can you? I don't think so. Maybe like by a half. Let's give the half to Janet. Oh! <laughs> hey, Janet, you lose, honey, Okay. Go back and dig up Ann Bishop's body right away with her in that red pickup truck. Have a great life. We wish you nothing but the best. And uh, get out of town quick before those old Cubans discover you're back. 1056 at 560 WQAM. You love that castaways, don't you? Seafood? Yes, I do. In fact, maybe they'll bring us some more this week. Maybe. I'm just trying for you, you know. Castaway Seafood Company knows seafood. They pride themselves on serving you the freshest seafood in the world. Fresh fish that is never frozen, prepared just the way you like it, grilled, blackened, or broiled. Signature castaway dishes include sesame seared tuna, tender calamari, and the best homemade chowders. I can't wait to get back to try the chowder. You believe I can't wait to get back? Yeah, I believe it. No. <laughs> but I will try it. No, I'm looking forward to the chowder, though. Castaways also features grilled certified Angus beef. That's with a G. Burgers, filet mignon, or huge, just absolutely sensationally or strip. Castaways also features great daily lunch and early bird specials. And every Wednesday night is karaoke night and ladies' night with free drinks for the ladies. Join the Castaways tailgate party at the Hogfish Bar for weekend and Monday night football specials while you watch your favorite games, while you watch the Patriots continue kicking serious ass and scoring 40, 50, 60, 70 points a game. The Castaway Seafood Company's got a full bar. They're open seven days a week, and they're located on the southwest corner of University Drive and Griffin Road in prestigious Davie. If you're looking to cater your next home or office party, Castaways will do a super job of that as well. The Castaway Seafood Company, George loves it. They got seafood so fresh it'll slap you right in your puss. Live, Live and local. We're Sports Radio 560. QAM. You get a lot of it. Rogers on Sports Radio, AM. What's that crap they played down the hole? That's power! 
Well, garbage. The kids today don't know what's good. Like that song, uh, I'm happy I live in a split-level head. You remember that? How can you... Listen. I'm happy I live in a split-level head. I'm happy I live in a split-level head. You don't remember that? No. No? Why am I surrounded by morons? Come on, Howie. Don't you call me Howie. That's an enough insubordination from you, pal. You shut up, fatso. Okay, that's it. You're all fired. You fat, stupid fool. You listen to me? You're fired. Tell me that goes for you, too. Yes. You know who I am? I'm the king of paradise. <laughs> I came down here after losing my job, mother. To be a big fish in a little pond. When they kicked me off ESPN, they told me don't come back again. I had some problems with wise guys who advised I move to paradise. Florida. Fire. That back deal ain't no Louis Nye. That guy was funny. You're all fired. And I hope that Chiscus one dies. I hope he dies. But I hope you all die. I'm a big fish in a little pond, see? A big fish in a little pond. Is anybody listening to me? I'm a big fish in a little pond. A big fish in a little pond. A big fish in a little pond. Yeah! What is anybody into on me? 1102 at 560 WQAM. Man, the sun is shining. It's beautiful here, I'll tell you that. How's the weather there, George? I don't know. Oh. You don't know? Well, I mean, it was fair this morning. Not what does that say? Am I, am I looking at this right? Afternoon 16? That's 61. Well, we didn't, uh, see, that's not right. 23. Well, they can't make up their mind. Uh, 23 is 73. Wouldn't that be? And look at that big sun the rest of the week. 78, 77, 76. I don't want to rub it in or anything like that. It did rain uh, Saturday night real late and like real early yesterday morning before anybody got up. Just so you don't feel quite so bad. Okay. Anyway, hearing postponed in drug case against Noel Bush. A hearing in the cocaine case against Governor Jeb Bush's daughter was postponed Friday after prosecutors at the staff at her drug rehab center were not cooperating with investigators. Police said 0.2 grams of crack cocaine were found in Noel Bush's shoe on Monday, a week ago today, after they were called to the center by another patient. Bush was not arrested because officers couldn't get sworn statements from staffers at the Center for Drug-Free Living. Remember, they wrote up the report, and then right. uh, the supervisor said, throw that away. Forget about and, it. And, like, wadded it up, and they had to go in the wastebasket and yank it out, and a report, too. Circuit Judge Reginald Whitehead delayed Friday's hearing until police finished their investigation. State Attorney's Office spokeswoman Linda Robertson said clinic staff were not cooperating with police. I should read that last sentence again. State Attorney's Office spokeswoman Lisa Robertson said clinic staff were not cooperating with police. A center spokeswoman didn't return a message Friday. Bush was put in a court-ordered rehab program after she was arrested in January at the Tallahassee Pharmacy drive-thru window, allegedly trying to buy the anti-anxiety drug Xanax with a fraudulent prescription. She was admitted to the treatment center with the possibility charges would be dropped if she completed the program. In July, she was caught carrying pills which belonged to a treatment center worker and sent to jail for three days. And now the latest, a little crack cocaine in the shoe. Maybe she got that from, uh, what's his name, the shoe bomber. What the hell was his name? Oh, uh, Ramirez? Whatever. No, not Ramirez. Reed. R- R- Reed. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, no, Richard uh, Green. It starts with an R. Sorry. Like Ramirez. Richard Green Ramirez. <laughs> Linda, Reed, uh, Reed. Linda Mc... What is it? Richard Reed. 
Very good, uh, Carlos, uh, whatever your name is. See, quit calling him Ugly Chuck, by the way. We can have more than one Carlos. We've we got more than one now. George. See, if, if we're going to do that standard, then we're going to have to call you George with a J, because we've got George Corso with a G. Right. So we don't have time to call you Causes George with a J. No end of confusion, by the way. So let's just call him Carlos, okay, and All quit right. the screwing around with this Ugly Chuck crap. He ain't any uglier than you are. Okay? Oh, yeah, he's way uglier. No, he's not. Sure. He's just, see and that, see what I told you? You're just doing that to try to, like, make yourself, like, right. move up a couple of notches. Believe me, believe me, I know ugly, okay? We'll like side-by-side pictures on the web. When I shave every day, I know ugly. Trust me. I mean, you're not, like, real ugly, but you're just like, uh, like he is nondescript. He looks just like Wayne from IOD. Make sure you keep that eyebrow ring in for the picture there, Chuck. Now, what is that, what is that thing? Oh, see, it's the eye ring. That's what makes him ugly. What is that thing that Wayne said on here? What is that under? Oh, oh, oh. If I had uh, the ability, uh, no, no, something, something like, like that. that. No, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, do. I think it was like. Uh, Goddamn fucking idiot. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. I'd like to uh, teach the world to sing. What the hell was. Uh, I can't find it. I'll we'll find we'll it. figure it out. Something with our good old friend Wayne from IOD. You know, Wayne, you can't move in with me, okay, sweetheart? I want to go out there and break that fucking guy's neck. What's that under? Break. Oh, see, I never would have. How would you find that? I want to go out there and break that f***ing guy's neck. Well, let's just play that the rest of the show. How's Guiding Light? How'd that turn out today? Oh, I wasn't watching it. Media frenzy feeds U.S. delusions over attack, writes Linda McQuaig in yesterday's Toronto Star, eh? Media frenzy feeds U.S. delusions over attack. With public support for war against Iraq flagging in the U.S. in recent weeks, the Bush administration was clearly hoping that the 9-11 anniversary would be just the thing to get war fever back on track. Certainly, the media could be counted on to do its part to whip the citizenry into a frenzy of grief and rage, thereby rousing the American people to wage a war in a country that apparently had nothing to do with 9-11, but at least offers a target that can be located. The manipulation of grief to stoke enthusiasm for battle is, of course, nothing new. It was used in Iran in the 70s by fundamentalist Muslim clerics to drum up support for their fledgling movement. Whenever dissidents were killed by the Shah's brutal forces, the clerics held elaborate funeral ceremonies to further stir emotions and enlist recruits to fight the Shah and his backers in Washington. The cleric strategy was highly effective, and they didn't even have CNN at their disposal. This is worth remembering as we can contemplate the media frenzy of the past week that's helped turn the bloodbath of 9-11 into a staging ground for endless war. Certainly, the U.S. media have greatly helped the White House make its case. When tracking down the Osama bin Laden proved too difficult, the Bush administration switched its focus to regime change in Iraq. The media have followed this turn in the plot without question, highlighting Saddam's use of chemical weapons against his own Kurdish population, an atrocity that receives far more attention now than when Saddam was still a U.S. ally. The U.S. media also acts as a filter, preventing incorrect ideas from slipping through. As Antonio Zerbesius noted in the Star last week, CNN and MSNBC hosts have smeared Scott Ritter, who's a nutcase, by the way. In fact, Scott Ritter sends me to the Schmitter have smeared Scott Ritter, former head of the U.N. weapons inspection mission in Iraq, who blames Washington for the mission's breakdown. TV hosts have openly questioned Ritter's loyalty as an American, indicating the media have taken on the function once performed by the McCarthy Committee on Un-American Activities. Ask Kim Hunter how that felt. Or if he's dead. Damn Certainly it. criticizing Washington these days leaves one vulnerable to the charge of anti-Americanism with its demands for blind, unquestioning loyalty and talk of good and evil. The world's only superpower seems to be increasingly taking on the characteristics of a cult. Above all, the U.S. media have filtered out anything that could lead viewers to question why so many people around the world feel such bitterness toward Washington. When George Bush, soon after 9-11, provocatively raised the question, why do they hate us so, it seemed inevitable the media would start examining some possible reasons, such as the long history of U.S. interventions in the Middle East, Southeast Asia, and elsewhere. 
Instead, the media pretty much accepted Bush's explanation that those who hate the U.S. are simply jealous of its freedoms, an explanation that might be satisfying but delusional, like a girl convincing herself other girls hate her because she's pretty, when it might be because they think she's a jerk. Even after a full year of media analysis of 9-11, Americans still have little knowledge of brutal U.S. foreign interventions, amply documented by Noam Chomsky and other scholars, or the enormous power and wealth imbalances in the world that John Crutchen uh, uh, usefully observed last week. How could Americans have such knowledge when their media, following the White House script, consistently present U.S. actions abroad as well-meaning efforts to bring democracy to other parts of the world rather than aggressive attempts to advance U.S. economic and political power? So nobody thinks part of the story is missing when Bush vows to finish what our enemies have begun. As far as the public knows, everything started with 9-11. Out of the blue, people came to hate the U.S. for its freedoms. No one else ever experienced the kind of pain and suffering Americans did on 9-11. Back in 1991, when the beating of Rodney King by L.A. police officers were captured on video, some commentators objected that the video didn't tell the whole story, didn't capture King being abusive to the police beforehand, provoking their fury. But was that the whole story either? If King was abusive, what abuses had he been subjected to over the years as a black man in America? Where does the story begin? Where does the rage start? Crimes, of course, should be punished no matter what their causes. The perpetrators of 9-11 must be hunted down and brought to justice. But what if we really want to understand why such things happen and how to protect ourselves in the future? It seems counterproductive to block out all information that might be helpful. It's unproductive, that is, unless the goal is to make sure that nothing changes. Wrote Linda McQuaig in yesterday's Toronto Star, eh? Well said. Well said, Linda. Although uh, Scott Ritter sends me to the Schmitter, okay? He's one of those guys. You know the uh, expression, he protests a little bit too much? Yes. That's him. In other words, he has no credibility. In fact, why? you know, I, I think you can really boil it down to... Uh, He's an asshole. Right. I think that sums it up pretty well. How many votes we got? 246 on our very important poll today, which we're going to send to the White House, aren't we? No. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. The timing smells... <laughs> Of politics, 104, 42.2%. Let's roll. Sodom's got to go. All right. 73, almost 30%, 29.6. I'm for it if our allies join in, 27. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor, 22. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone, 20. So let's see. If people are against it for, what, 126, and we got 246, half of which would be 123. Can you believe that? I believe it. 123 and 120. Right down the middle, baby. Split right down the middle. And I give them all the high marks in the world for a tremendous, a phenomenal job of propagandizing and a dog and pony show at the U.N. And, of course, he had some valid points there. It's a paper tiger. They can draft 80 million resolutions. They never follow through. Nobody pays any attention to them. Like the, the Israelis have defied over 200 resolutions, by the way. 200. Are you aware of that? Yeah, yeah. And they say, eh, the hoist, baby. It's Jim Kipper. Don't bother us. You know, stuff like that. So the U.N. is just uh, just a paper tiger, and it's a joke. An expensive and, joke. And, now the, and which we pay for it. And now the Saudis are very gleefully jumping on board. Twelve minutes after 11 at 560. I'll say it again. We ought to be in Saudi Arabia right there. We ought to, like, go into our base there in Riyadh and just say, oh, we we're like, uh, we thought it was uh, the Chinese embassy. I mean, we thought it was a wedding. I mean, we thought, you know, <laughs> we got a little bit turned around here. Our compass, our compass delecti led to a few corpi delecti, and they happen to be Saudis. That's who we ought to be bombing in a submission, is freaking Saudi Arabia. That's the breeding ground. That's the culture ground. That's where they got all the Petri dishes with a terrorist in every goddamn dish, in every madrasa. That's, that's where they teach them. Anyway, I'm just mentioning that in passing. Not going to happen, because there are partners in oil. Twelve minutes after 11 at 560 WQAM. Summer's over. No more barbecues. No more vacations. So now it's time to get serious about losing that weight, because not only is it ugly and grotesque. You know, one thing about when you're fat, you can't buy any clothes that, like, look good. 
That's why all of us who are fat are like really bad sloppy dressers, because what difference does it make? They don't, they don't make good clothes in spite of what Shirley Peters might try to tell you to rationalize, or Tony Fields, although she's now dead. They just don't make good-looking clothes for fat people. So if you're tired of being a slob, but the most important part to be in bad health, here's the answer for you, balance for life. The beast, who I would say was just maybe a year or so away from death, wouldn't you? At least. He was, he was close. He was close. on the verge. Here's a young guy who was like five foot four, two eighty four. He's lost fifty four pounds oh! on balance for life. Let's see, April, May, June, July, August. That's like in six months. Right. And you can do the same. Of course, maybe if you don't have that much to lose, or maybe you have more, you can still do it. And it's painless because it takes. See, the problem with most people dieting: what do I eat? What do I buy in the store? What do I eat in the restaurant? Forget about those things because they deliver all your food right to you in that little black sack. You'll be squeezing it really tight, and the sack too. Every morning by 6 o'clock, it's at your door. It's your home, it's your office, wherever you're going to be at that hour. And inside that sack is all the food you got for the entire day. Three gourmet meals, two delicious snacks, a little bottle of water in there, too. And all you have to think about is which alternative you want for each meal. They give you two choices for each meal every day that you're on the program. That's the only choice you'll have to make. And the weight just melts right off your body. And you're satisfied because the food is delicious. The portions are very ample. You won't be hungry on this program, I'll guarantee you that. So if you want to lose that weight and look better and be a lot healthier, too, call Balance for Life, and I guarantee you, note, in, in less than a couple of weeks, you'll look better than the beast. Call this number, 954-568. Call Balance for Life at 954-568-3229, 954-568-3229, or check them out on what Todd says, Troy, whatever his name is. Troy says is their very prestigious website, balanceforlife.com. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560, QA, Okay, so three people dead in that building, Broadway at 40th Street near Times Square in New York. Two men, one woman, and they're not looking for any suspects. Huh? We're just talking. They're not looking for any suspects. In other words, it was like uh, there were at least two guns in the room. I see. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield is the uh, business, was in their orifice. And I guess uh, what they're saying, the president and the vice president of the company and some woman. And who knows, maybe it was like a, uh, uh, a love triangle. Maybe it was a, hmm. uh, maybe it was a gun party gone bad. You know? Who knows? Murder-suicide. Whatever the hell it was, it was a shootout in uh, Broadway. And they're not looking for any suspect. 
Join Joe and Mark tonight, 9 to 11, Monday Night Football at Gatsby's Kindle. Stop by to win some more crappy QM prizes. Enjoy specials on Crown Royal. It's the Eagles and the Redskins tonight at Gatsby's and Kindle. we got the big news for you tomorrow morning. Now, why is that big news? Uh-huh. <clears throat> why, why can't we talk about that today? I mean, we could, but I mean, I, I get a message from Clarence about that on my machine Friday night. Get off your duff. I mean, what? I don't get it. I think maybe we got some people taking themselves a little bit too seriously. The audience is interested in the people around here, okay? I mean, we on this show, we make a big deal about the people behind the scenes, and this one did this, and this one got my check screwed up, and this one got it delivered a day early, whatever, you know. And it kind of like spices things up a little bit. But generally speaking, the audience doesn't tune in the program to hear the program director, the general manager, the operations manager, the goddamn sales hole. But I guess tomorrow morning we'll, we'll spill the beans. 264 votes on that survey, and it's almost right down the middle. About what you think about GW's, uh, how do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? They're not plans anymore, baby. It's going to happen. We're going in. Scare tactics is foreign policy. This is an edit. edit. No, it's not. It's a column. See, I made that mistake with a great, oh, you would have loved it. A great column in the um, National Post here on Friday about all drugs ought to be legalized. Okay. Not just marijuana. Not decriminalized, but all drugs should be legal. And I thought it was an editorial because it was on the left-hand page. And then I realized that in the National Post, which is a very marginal newspaper anyway, their editorials are on the right-hand side of the oh. page, and the commentaries are on the left. See what I'm saying? I see. Ask backwards. Maybe that's like a Brit thing. I don't know. But anyway, this is an article by Stebbins Jefferson, no relation to George. Palm Beach Post columnist from this past Saturday. Scare tactics is foreign policy. Adults of a certain age can remember when the foremost terrorist was the boogeyman, a remorseless creature so evil that he was ever ready to wreak destruction at any time. Once upon a time, the mere mention of his name was enough to keep children in line. Parents desiring to maintain their power to make unilateral decisions often mention this hobgoblin. If you don't do what I tell you to, they caution, the boogeyman will get you, or they would promise if you behave, I won't let the boogeyman get you. Threatened with horrendous consequences, youngsters rarely ask for specific details or proof of the monster's potential. Rather, most simply accepted as gospel that a force was out to destroy them and reacted accordingly. Better to err on the side of being overly cautious than to ask logical questions and risk annihilation. In national politics these days, that naive premise, though insulting and condescending to an intelligent electorate, still is being foisted on the American public, primarily because when confronted with problems, we crave scapegoats and simplistic solutions. Little wonder that as a nation we're allowing ourselves to be manipulated more by our fears than guided by our consciences. Consciences. For this election cycle, our president, knowing that fear can cancel needs for logical explanations, has targeted us for a terrifying boogeyman who demands our full focus. This monster, President Bush insists, is Saddam Hussein. Although the terrorists that attacked us here at home last September came mostly from Saudi Arabia and had allegiance primarily to Osama bin Laden, our president insists that without first achieving a clear victory against those fanatics, we must invade Iraq to get rid of Saddam Hussein and dares us to question that dictate as the, at risk of being labeled unpatriotic. Undeniably, the U.S. was caught sleeping last 9-11, permanently traumatized by that tragedy. We're determined to be more vigilant. So when our president tells us we need to attack Iraq, we listen. Apparently, so do the leaders of France and England. Having witnessed the terrorist assault upon the once invulnerable America, they fear such attacks in their countries. Thus, by conscious deign of our leaders, foreign affairs have been placed at the top of America's political agenda. For that so-called urgent reason, our domestic problems have been dismissed as frivolous. The thuggery in major corporations that has robbed many Americans of their life savings is no longer a major issue as concerns about the economic conditions in this country and the need for improved guidelines to protect investors have been replaced by plans for war. The high cost of drugs that has caused many senior citizens either to stop taking needed medications or to take them only as affordable no longer is being debated. 
and strategies to protect the environment that must serve humankind long after Iraq's current leader and our own leaders are out of office is being ignored. Our president has declared to the nation and the world that prospects of war with Iraq must take precedence. Of negligible concern, we are told, is allowing our forests to be stripped of more trees and our protected land and water reserves to be plundered for oil to replace the supply that would be disrupted by a Mideast war. War requires such sacrifice and scared to death too many of us without questioning believe. Traumatized by terrorism, we prefer to believe in a boogeyman, an evil without conscience, a scapegoat on which we can focus all blame. That concept absolves us of the need to think about the nefarious motives that compel self-serving men to act. But in our rational moments, I urge that we acknowledge the brutal reality taught us by 9-11. Modern warfare can no longer be confined within the borders of any country, nor can such conflict be limited to designated troops. Modern war will encompass soldiers and civilians in violence too massive to be extinguished easily by peace treaties. In that context, victory has little meaning. W's Conflict of Interest writes one of our favorites, Maureen Dowd, in the New York Times yesterday. Don't you love Maureen? Yes, I do. She says, when George W. Bush ran for president, he mocked Bill Clinton's addiction to pollsters and promised to tear down the cynical White House trellis of politics and policy. As it turned out, Mr. Bush didn't need the president's uh, campaign, the permanent campaign. He has something far more potent, the permanent war. Carl Rove and W. have designed a mirror image presidency. They take everything Poppy did that conservatives regard as a mistake and reverse it. The right thought that the father's war was too short? Okay, the son's war will be too long. The right thought that the father's war should have ended with Sodom's disappearance? Okay, the son's war will start with Sodom's disappearance and build its rationale around that blessed event. Like his dad, Mr. Bush is not keen on delving into tricky domestic issues like Social Security, health care, and pension protection. It's hard for a Bush to envision the need for a safety net. When the Bushes get into the bunker, democracy operates the way they like. It's not messy and cacophonous. Oh, here we go. I knew she'd do it. Cacophonous. <laughs> yes. Noisy. I, oh, I know what it means, a cacophony, but I never saw it in that form. Did you? Nope. It's not messy and cacophonous. It's orderly and symphonic. There are sheriffs and outlaws, patriots and madmen, good and evil, Churchills and Hitlers. The Bushes love doing things in secret and without a lot of meddling from know-nothings in Congress and smart Alex in the press. In peacetime, such macho behavior comes across as high-handed, but in wartime, it looks like strong leadership. Critics of a warrior president risk seeming unpatriotic. The Democrats are shackled. A majority voted against the Persian Gulf War in 91. After it went off with the detachment of a video game, they were pilloried. Now they fear that if they approach Desert Storm 2 the same way, raising objections about motives, casualties, cost, or post-war strategy, they will be portrayed as McGovernite wimps. The Republicans fighting dictator malfeasance can't travel with Democratic charges about GOP donors' corporate malfeasance. In war, the polls are always jingoistically celestial. Thus spake Karl Rove, who's advised Republicans they can gain control of Congress by exploiting the war on terrorism. The wartime press is respectful, producing gauzy TV interviews and square-jawed photo spreads, rectifying mangled presidential syntax, and mindlessly repeating Minister of Information Ari Fleischer's celebration of the president as resolute. Minister of Information Ari Fleischer. Mr. Bush gave a splendid speech at the U.N. He's right that Sodom is a scum with scuds, but there was no compelling new evidence. Mr. Bush only offered an unusually comprehensive version of the usual laundry list. Sodom is violating the sanctions. He tried to assassinate Poppy. He's late on his mortgage payments. He tips 10%. He has an unjustifiable fondness for my way. He's gassed his own people. He doesn't turn down the front brim of his hat. There was no more attempt to tie Sodom to Osama. The Hawks don't know if Osama's dead or alive, but they know that Sodom is alive, and they can make him dead. The Warriors gave a raspberry to the U.N., making it obvious that Mr. Bush was just going through the multilateral motions by revealing that General Tommy Franks is moving the U.S. Central Command from Tampa to Gutter to get ready for war against Iraq. The Bush principle of preemption is already being endured and exploited by other world leaders who have their own devious uses for it. Pakistan is worried that India will pounce in the Bush manner, and Mr. Bush's soulmate, Vladimir Puntang, just warned the U.N. that he might preempt rebels in Georgia. 
At lunch with New York Times reporters on Friday, Tom Daschle was muted in his criticism of the president and conceded that Mr. Bush's transformation to a wartime leader would make him a formidable candidate. Yet the senator worried that Mr. Bush's preference for preemption could wreak havoc with global stability, and he wondered whether Iraq would damage relationships with attacking Iraq would damage relationships with Indonesia, Pakistan, and Middle East allies necessary to root out terrorists. Is this now more important than the war on terror, he asked? Does America have conflicts of interest? Are we fighting in one war in two places, or are the two wars tripping each other up? Asked Marine Dowd in yesterday's New York Times. Oh, Let's hear for good old Marine. Oh. He's always good. And always uses words that I can't pronounce. Cacophonous. 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 11.28 at 5.60 WQAM. If, if the uh, schmutz in your carpet is like a cacophony of mung. Caca. Exactly, if that's what it is. Here's the answer for you. Dry concepts. They'll come in and they'll suck out all that caca in the fibers of your carpet. That's how it works. That's why they call it dry concepts, because they dry clean your carpets. Same concept that's used to dry clean your clothing. When in doubt, suck it out, the dirt that is. And it leaves your carpets looking just like brand new, smelling lemony fresh. They dry in a couple of hours, and believe you me, you'll be amazed at what a stupendous job they do, which is why I've been using them in my house for over 20 years. The Rimmers use them and even paid for it. How do you like that? <laughs> yeah. And my relatives, uh, whatever I got left, they use it too. And you'll love them. They give you a written guaranteed price before they start doing the job, so you don't have to worry about ripoffs. And, of course, like I said, your carpets are dry in just a couple of hours, looking just like brand new. Dry Concepts also does an unbeatable job of cleaning your furniture and drapery, spot dyeing, fiber protection, carpet repairs, in oriental rug service, and that spectacular plant we've been telling you about the last two years, deodorization, and if you should ever have a flood, and believe me, in South Florida, uh, not, not that hard to get one. They do complete water damage restoration, too. So if you want a stupendous guaranteed job at a guaranteed price every time, these are the people you'll always call. In Broward, call 954-370-7778. That's 954-370-7778. In Dade or Palm Beach, call them at 1-800-248-5071. That's 1-800-248-5071. Clean today. You can entertain to your heart's delight tonight with dry concepts. My and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QA2A. I can't we have no Negro. Tell me why. Why, why do spooks have gold jeans? Does it help them to chop all the food that they eat? What's that do when they chew? Oh, why do spooks have gold jeans? Tell me why some black guys have a shit. Why do they show where their caps go? Do they rinse out their mouth with soap or brush? Show off their dental work as if we can't. If I found out who their dentist was, I ain't going there. Oh, why? Tell me why. Why don't spooks blow their nose? Hear them snort from the
He is a distinguished, honorable, honest man. Well, it's about time we found one. 1135 at 562. M. Carlos will be depressed. This uh, fax you just sent me about pop-up stopper. Yes. And this uh, faxer says, uh, Adaware does not stop pop-up ads, and it's for spyware. Right, which are also pop-up ads. Spyware is is one of the things that cause pop-up ads. Huh? Say what? Spyware is one of the things that cause pop-up ads. Spywares yeah. are, are the programs that get installed into your computer yeah. that will send information when you're on the Internet. Yeah. Which will cause the pop-up ads to come out. I got pop-up ads up the... Rectum. Ass. But at any rate, I think I'll try the antiware again because this uh, pop-up stopper, which I don't, you know, the, the guy sends all the information about this, but it's so complicated to install. He starts out by saying, I know Neil is not uh, very computer friendly. Well, I'm not like a, a wizard, if you pardon that expression, but I mean, I can uh, find my way around. I've been around the block a couple of times. I got a copy I, of that fax, too, and I was going to try it out and let you know, let you know what it is because I don't know how invasive going to be. That's the only well, even, even, if it, even if it's sensational, I guarantee you, based, based on what I'm reading here, there's no way I could uh, install this program. It, it, it's like three pages of this just to install one little tiny program. It says that the file is very small and should download in less than one minute, and uh, et cetera, and so on. But to install it, you have to, like, stand on your head, and uh, I don't know. I'm going to try Adware again. And if, if it doesn't work, I'm just going to take the goddamn computer and toss it out the window. How does that sound? Sounds great. Okay. And I'll just, I'll just read the funny pages on here every day. That's all. Oh! I'll just go out and get the goddamn funny pages. Here's a great... I'm, I'm starting to like that Palm Beach Post, except for their really crappy sports section. Oh, who See, cares about that anyway? Huh? Who cares about that? I do. And by the way, now that hockey is starting, baby... Oh! We got the uh, exhibition games coming up this Friday, by the way. Leafs on Leaf TV, which I'm one of their ten subscribers. For the first time ever, they're televising all of our exhibition games. At any rate, now the uh, sports pages here are full of hockey stuff. Just like down there, <laughs> I'm sure. Why should they have hockey stuff when the Dolphins beat up on two girls' teams in two successive weeks and got off to their usual two-end oh! start? Michigan arrest warrant issued for ex-priest in Hawaii. Oh, I got some priest stuff a little bit later on, time permitting. But anyway, the Palm Beach Post ran this editorial Saturday. Very short, to the point, succinct, and it took a big pair for them to put this in there. It's The, name, the headline on the editorial is Hootie and the Blowhards. Tiger Woods will try the riskiest shot to win a golf tournament. Jack Nicklaus was the same way when he played. Neither, however, will offer an opinion about Augusta National Golf Club, which hosts a prestigious Masters tournament, allowing a female to join. But Martha Burke, who chairs the National Council of Women's Organizations, gripped it and ripped it. She told Augusta National Chairman Hootie Johnson that there might be a boycott of TV sponsors if the club didn't lower the gender barrier. Mr. Johnson said, there, uh, said the change wouldn't come at the butt of a gun. Especially today, there are more serious things to worry about, but Ms. Burke has a point. Augusta National may be very private, but it hosts a very public event. The arrogant white men who run Augusta National insist that their tournament be considered a national treasure elsewhere in the nation. However, it's 2002. Mr. Johnson is making a stand over something that's stopping worth fighting for a long time ago. Short editorial in Saturday's Palm Beach Post, right on target, in spite of all you sexist men out there. Remember the poll that we took that day? Yes, I do. The result was puke-inducing, man. It was <laughs> gut-wrenching to me. But, you know, that's the way it is. We've got a mostly male audience, and they figure, screw the women. Okay. Which has always been your philosophy, too. Be right Screw back. the women. And believe me, I've seen those lady golfers. I don't think you got too many takers. No. 293 votes on our poll. We're approaching the 300 mark. How do you feel about George W.'s plan to invade Iraq? Here's George W. 
And when a neighbor loves a neighbor, indeed, America as a whole benefits. And, Dean, I want to thank you for your leadership and your compassion. Thank you, Dean. 298 votes. I'm against it. The timing smells of politics, 124. It smells of politics with a little bit of petroleum rubbed on it. Let's roll. Sodom has to go, 88. I'm for it if our allies join in, 34. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor, 27. And I'm for it even if we have to go it alone, 25. So let's see, 27 and 124 is 151, and we got 296, half of which is 148. How do you like that? Talk about even, Stephen? Yep. It's so tight you couldn't even stick a little curly hair in there, man. Rectum. Tight. Really tight. Maybe not as tight as screw in, but uh, <laughs> you know the way that goes. Roy! How's that bitch doing, by the way? Last time I was there, she looked like she'd aged 50 years. And you want to know why? Why? Because the copy fairy is after her, the copy demons. Remember when Skippy was in there? It was before you got sick. Skippy came in that one day, I think it was a week ago today. Right. Hey, I'm going to get you a new copy for Emerald Coast. I'm gonna... You know something, Skippy? You're an idiot. You're going to fit in that sales department perfect. Did he give me a new copy for Emerald Coast? No. Did he give me a new copy for the other 50 accounts they handed him on a platter? No. That Brian Schmutz went out and sold? No, 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 no. No. And you want to know why? He's probably being advised by Petey Lenny and uh, Todd Dreck and all those other schmucks back there who don't believe in copy. You know, they're going to show me a thing or two. I'll tell you one thing, once we start getting our uh, organization put together tomorrow after this Jew holiday's over, tomorrow, once we get back to a business and we get our structure of this organization before they sell this place, you mark my words, man, the Schmidt's going to hit the fan back there in sales. No, seriously, I'm sending two people to beat the snot out of that bitch tomorrow. Just out of principle. Not the salespeople, just screw in. Just because she makes me nauseous. Am I getting my point across or not? And while, and while they're at it, maybe they'll take a poke or two at the water Nazi just for the hell of it, too. Soften her uh, neck, crusty old attitude up a little bit. 1141 at 560 WQM. If you want to go out for a fabulous feast, the Emerald Coast. We don't need, you know, I mean, what, what's the point? What's Skippy going to tell me that we don't already know? You know, I mean, although maybe they got something special going on we don't know anything about. You never know. So whether you're big and fat already and you just want to go in there and pig out or whether you're just somebody who likes delicious fresh food at a very modest price, this is the place. You can go in there and eat and eat, manja, 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 until you're, like, ready to bust. Three locations for you. You'll find Emerald Coast in Sunrise. They're in North Miami Beach and now in Pembroke Pines. they got six different kinds of soups. They have dozens and dozens of great entrees. And they've got surf and turf on the weekends with Alaskan King Crab and New York Strip made to your order at their amazing gourmet center. It's a sizzling Asian grill featuring teriyaki steak, shrimp, chicken, seafood, hand-carved prime rib. Let me say it again. Cook to your order. And they also have a full salad bar, sushi bar, fresh room cocktail. And by some miracle, if you haven't like pigged out to the point of almost puking your guts out, they've got a dessert bar. Pies and cakes, pastries, ice cream with all your favorite toppings, fresh fruit. It's well worth trying to save a little room for, or just stick some in your pants and take it home. Emerald Coast, three locations, Sunrise, Pine Island at 44th Street, Collins Avenue just north of 163rd in North Miami Beach, and at Flamingo and Pembroke Roads in very prestigious and geriatric Pembroke Pines. Emerald Coast accepts reservations. Takeout and delivery available as well. Call 954-572-3822. 954-572-3822. It's a sensational feast anytime, but now with Surf and Turf on the weekend. Emerald Coast, and believe me, Skippy's coming in with some copy, George. Is he in the door right now? No. Live and local, this, this is 560. The radio is all yours now. QAM. This is the Neil Rogers Show. <laughs> this is your brain. <laughs> Any question? Warning. We have mercilessly taken the following material out of context without endorsement or permission from those depicted. It is our ongoing mission to make everything that is good and decent look as ridiculous as possible. We hope we've reached that goal, or at least made you laugh. Friends and distinguished guests, simply put, President Bush can read only at the most basic level. 
I'm working with a variety of organizations to achieve President Bush's great goal, learn basic vocabulary words. Education is a top priority for President Bush, and I presented him with a children's dictionary. I'm proud that my husband, just yesterday, he said kindergarten. Because education brings opportunity, our public schools are open to every child in America. And President Bush, thank you for your help. And you're welcome, and especially the state of Florida wants to say you're welcome because the state of Florida gave us George W. Bush. Oh! Make no mistake about that. I think a lot of people are going to be thinking about that come November 5th in the state of Florida when they go to the polls, assuming that we'll be able to vote. <laughs> Assuming that there will be machines there. Oh, by the way, black leaders want Leahy out. I'm going to say it again. David Leahy and Dade and uh, what's the name of the one in Broward? Miriam Oliphant. Oh, yeah. They should, they should both be fired right now this minute. Oh, you should have seen, because I'm sure you're not getting the local coverage up there, of all of the Miriam Oliphant vans and different colors, like one for every day of the week and all the fancy lettering. And yeah, all see, the now, that's become, now it's become a racial thing, see, because she happens to be dark-complected. As if that has anything to do with it. Believe you me, there's plenty of white. David Leahy's white. Don't make any difference to us. I say fire both of them right now, like before the end of the day. It's only the uh, 16th of September. We still got, like, you know, a month and a half before November 5. Get some goddamn school kids in there. They could organize the thing better than these assholes. You bungle it again, you idiots. Man, and get those poll workers. Get some people under the age of 200. Some people who don't bring their teeth to work with them in a glass. God. I think that's what happened. I think they ran out of Polydent. And a lot of those old farts, like, locked the doors and went out to go down to goddamn Walgreens and stand online with their discount coupons for Polydent. This is a great article. Did you read this by Andrew Gumble for the Independent UK? I faxed a bunch of things. Which one? Oh, the Independent Andrew UK Gumbel. one. Yes. Yes, it is. Andrew Gumble in Los Angeles writes this for the, UN, and for the Independent UK. And, of course, leave it to the British papers to put in the good stuff. Oh, and speaking of that, my good friend Lynn Samuels on her website, lynnsamuels.com. There's a story about the Carlisle Group. Did I, did I mention that to you before the show today? No. no. Yes, I did. Well, I forgot. Well, just a minute. You'll have, I'm going to her website right now. My computer, which I may not be very computer literate, according to that one guy, and uh, nothing's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Come on, Lynn. What are you doing to me, sweetheart? It's a blank screen. I was just looking at it earlier. One moment, please. Let me try it again. No, well, how can that be? Lynn Samuels, BigStep.com. It's just not there now, okay? Well, it's taking a rest. At any rate, about the Carlisle Group and their uh, shady relationship with the Brits. Anyway, fortunes of war await Bush's circle after attacks on Iraq. Is the headline in this article by Andrew Gumbel in L.A.? He says, the last time the United States went to war against Iraq, Dick Cheney did very nicely from it. Having served as defense secretary and basked in the reflected glory of the U.S. military's surprisingly rapid advance across the desert stands to end the Iraqi occupation of Kuwait, he then managed to reap benefits of a very different kind once the war was over, and he left government to become chief executive of Halliburton, the Texas-based oil services company. When the United Nations relaxed its sanctions regime in 1998 and permitted Iraq to buy spare parts for its oil fields, it was Halliburton under Mr. Cheney's leadership that cleaned up on the contract to repair war damage and get Sodom's oil pipes flowing at full capacity again. Two Halliburton subsidiaries did business worth almost $24 million with the man whom these days Mr. Cheney calls a murderous dictator and the world's worst leader. Since taking over as George Bush's vice president, Mr. Cheney has severed all formal ties with his former employer, notably when he cashed in $36 million in stock options and other benefits at the height of the market in August 2000. But Halliburton, currently struggling with a corporate accounting scandal that may or may not implicate Mr. Cheney, could profit all over again if the much-threatened new war against Iraq comes to pass, which it will. 
We can certainly expect more airstrikes against the oil fields, possibly combined with a ground invasion. Then when it's all over, someone's going to have to mop up the damage once again. Halliburton, with its previous experience and unparalleled political connections, not limited to Mr. Cheney, would be in the pole position for the job. Nobody could justifiably accuse the Bush administration of wanting to wage war in Iraq solely as a favor to its friends in the oil business and the military-industrial complex, but many of the companies that stand to gain most from the war enjoy remarkably close ties to senior figures in the administration. And some of the president's closest confidants have shown extraordinary elasticity down the years in their attitudes to President Saddam, America's on-again, off-again, public enemy number one. Mr. Cheney, who's gone from warmonger to dealmaker and back to warmonger, is just one example. Donald Rumsfeld, the current defense secretary, has repeatedly raised the specter of Iraq's arsenal of weapons of mass destruction. But in 1983, when Mr. Rumsfeld was President Reagan's special envoy to Iraq, he turned a blind eye to Iraqi use of nerve and mustard gas in its war with Iran, concentrating instead on forging a personal relationship with the Iraqi leader, then considered a valuable U.S. ally. Mr. Rumsfeld was actually in Baghdad on the day the U.N. first reported Iraqi use of chemical weapons, but chose to remain silent, as did the rest of the U.S. establishment. Five years later, he cited his ability to make friends with Saddam Hussein as one of his qualifications for a possible run at the presidency. This Bush administration has been much more upfront about the role of oil in its deliberations on Iraq than the last one. That's partly a matter of circumstance. Since the 9-11 attacks, the stability of Middle Eastern oil states has been a big policy consideration, but it also reflects the fact that much of the Bush inner circle, including the president himself, is made up of former oilmen. The oil and gas industry has pumped about $50 million to political candidates since the 2000 election. There are also uncomfortably cozy ties between the government and the defense industry. Mr. Rumsfeld's oldest friend, Frank Carlucci, a former defense secretary himself, now heads the Carlisle Group and Investment Consortium, which has a big interest in the contracting firm United Defense. Carlisle's board includes George Bush Sr. and James Baker, the former Secretary of State. One program alone, the Crusader Artillery System, has earned Carlisle more than $2 billion in advanced government contracts. Carlisle's European chairman is John Major, who may have played a major role in the Ministry of Defense's controversial recent decision to declare Carlisle the preferred bidder for a stake in its scientific research division. That's the story I was talking about. None of these links is, legal, is illegal, but that doesn't mean that there's no conflict of interest. Messrs. Bush, Cheney, and friends have either sold their stock holdings or put them in a blind trust, meaning personal gain is off the agenda. The gain for their friends and family may well be a byproduct of the looming war against Iraq. Oh, it's just your imagination, Neil. After all, you're so anti-Bush, anti... Absolutely correct, sir. 316 votes on our survey. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. It stinks. The stench of cow manure is lingering in my nostrils right now. Can you smell it? Oh, man. Especially now that my nasal passages are wide open. Thanks again, Dr. Hamp. Thanks, Rimmer. Got to thank him for something because he gets real sensitive. 131 votes. I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. That's 41.1%. Let's roll. Saddam has to go 93, 29.2%. I'm for it if our allies join in 36. Only if. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor 39.4%. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone 28, 8.8%. So add up the again it. 131 uh, and 30 is 161 out of 318. 159 would be half. Can you believe that? Yeah. I believe 159 it. is half of 318. We got 161 to uh, whatever the other is, 158. Shocking. Black leaders want Leahy out. Oh! God damn it. How come they don't want Miriam Oliphant out? She's got oh, a that's right. I forgot. She's, she be after them dark vans. Dark lady with dark vans. We got stuff on her, too, don't we? Oh, I guess before we do that, this is... Oh, God, I got so much damn good stuff. We only got an hour to go. Go home, Mad Dog.
Oh, that's right. We got that big dolphin game to talk about. I wonder how much credit he's going to give the Patriots and Tom Brady for that shellacking 44 to 7 over the uh, Jets yesterday, huh? Since he gave him kind of like a marginal pat on the ass for their walloping of Pittsburgh last week. See, they played Pittsburgh and the Jets, who were supposed to be two pretty goddamn good teams in these two weeks, as opposed to the two girls' teams that often played. Even George knows that. George could beat the Lions. Yeah. Just Oops. by yourself. Gay couple moves in next to Falwell's church to preach acceptance. Oh, and this week I mentioned to you off the year, how come I haven't talked about it on here? Because i got too much stuff here. Yeah. On uh, City Confidential on A&E. I guess our audience don't watch A&E. Because if they did, I would have had a fax by now for sure about the piece they did Saturday night. Now, last night they did about Madeline O'Hare and her family kind of like <laughs> disappearing. Yeah. Yeah, disappearing. It was pretty interesting about Austin, Texas, and how the, the right-wingers are moving in there now. What used to be a very liberal, wide-open city is now becoming. But at any rate, so Saturday night, the thing was about Doug Danziger and the Willitses, Kathy Willits oh, and Jeff. That? And uh, there was Dr. Kennedy was on there spouting his usual crap, his usual anti-human uh, crap. And they, t and they had the guy, what the hell's the guy's name who invented, who started spring break? Kind of a chubby old guy. He's got a, He always wears this silly cap with a, one of those whirly birds on top. What the hell's his name? Well, at any rate, they had a piece about uh, the Willitses on Saturday on City Confidential on A&E. See how soon we forget? Mm -hmm. Well, here, right in line with that, gay couple moves in next to Falwell's church to preach acceptance. Oh! <laughs> a gay activist and his partner have moved across the street from the Reverend Jerry Falwell's church in Lynchburg, Virginia, hoping to correct what they see as the misinformation the pastor has been spreading about homosexuals. We just want Lynchburg to see us, an old gay couple, and realize that we're as boring as they are, said the Reverend Mel White, 62, a minister with the Metropolitan Community Church in L.A., who ghost-wrote Falwell's autobiography. White and Falwell have been acquaintances for more than 15 years before White announced his homosexuality and have since debated Falwell's belief that some gays can be turned straight. When Falwell partially blamed the 9-11 attacks on gays last year, White said he was disappointed that his old friend had become so dogmatic and started planning a trip to Lynchburg. Jerry promised to tone down his anti-gay rhetoric, White said. It broke our hearts to see what he was doing. Falwell, who later apologized for his usually intemperate comments and even was rubbing his tinky-winky doll, said White's move from across the road from the uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church is a publicity stunt meant to harass his ministry. But the couple, he said, is always welcome at the church. <laughs> I can't think of anyone who needs it more, Falwell said. Mel White abandoned his wife, children, and parents to move in with his male lover. I hope he turns his life around or turns his wife around. White moved into the four-room cottage on Tuesday with Gary Nixon, 52, and their dog, Bentley. The two, who still own a home in Laguna Beach, California, signed a one-year lease, plan to spend their time visiting with their new neighbors and exploring the city's many parks. We love it. We've never lived in a place where the leaves change, White said. Never live in a place where the leaves change? Yes. Like right here. Look at that. There's someone. I feel a change right now. In October, members of White's activist group Soul Force will join a couple to restart a local parents' former lesbians, uh, lesbians and gays chapter and go door-to-door -door to talk about homosexuality. From October 25th to 7th, hundreds of Soul Force members are expected to arrive in Lynchburg to mark the three-year anniversary of a 1999 meeting with Falwell. Now we are your neighbors, not just in spirit, but in fact, White said in a dinner invitation he hand-delivered to Falwell's office this week. Carol Church, 56, who met White at a service last week at the First Christian Church, said he thinks the couple will fit in. What's not to like, she said. He seems like a fine man, a dedicated Christian, said Church, who has since lent the couple a set of wooden chairs and a dining table from her basement. Church said she's happy White will challenge Falwell in his home community. How do you like them apples, huh? Them road apples. 1157 at 560 WQM. we got Mandich at 1, the Humper at 3 for a short show. He's got Nat Moore with him at 5, whenever it is, at 315. Tom Lehman and Hallett Pontiac uh, are doing it one more time. They're always doing it. They're constantly. They never stop doing it. 
They're absolutely doing it this time, though, because they continue offering you 0% financing. And you heard me right. With approved credit from GMAC, you can get yourself 0% financing for up to 36 long, excruciating months on all 2003 Pontiacs and GMC models. Well, I sure hope we get some uh, more information about those great 2003s, don't you? Any time now. Any minute now. In fact, I can, I can almost smell that red muskrat now all the way up here. Or take a rebate up to four grand on all 2002 Pontiacs or GMC models in stock. And while you're at Hallett browsing around with no pressure from the sales holes, of course, check out the complete line of GMC SUVs, including the Envoy, voted by Motor Trend as the SUV of the year last year, plus the all-new Pontiac Vibe SUV with the power of a sports car at just a teeny tiny fraction of the price. Hallett's also has always got a gigantic, dependable selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, SUVs, and as far as credit is concerned, have no fear, even if he wants a new screw and no problem at all, at Hallett Pontiac GMC. So if you want an unbeatable deal, if you want to get treated like a human being, this is the place, Hallett Pontiac, 13401 South Dixie Highway, US-1, right across from the prestigious falls, open every day, seven days a week. Hallett Pontiac, GMC, we be professional grade. We're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Now I do believe it be the one to 12 hour. Take some penicillin. Uh, okay. As a matter of okay. fact, I'm due for one. There you go. See? That's my psychic powers kicking in again. George has got a doctor who's an asshole, by the way, and, of course, many people can relate to that. Sick as a dog trying to get into his doctor like an emergency situation and uh, calls just to try to get a prescription called in. Not to, like, uh, go in there and actually see somebody because he was too sick to do that. And uh, just and uh, they got back to him, like, hours and hours and hours later and suggesting, well, you really should go to the emergency. Called at room. nine. Oh man! They called back at five thirty, like as an afterthought, like, "Oh, we're yeah. closing. The doctor couldn't get to you. We're your not doctor do blows, you okay? Your there, doctor yeah. blows, bites, just like online detective blows." Anyway, here's the big news, and I've saved it for this big noon to one hour, one to noon hour. Panthers Arena renamed the Office Depot Center. Oh, here's the big story of the day. I know we'd have some hockey news out of South Florida. Office Depot Arena Operating Company and the Florida Panthers announced, what's the date on this? Friday, a 10-year agreement giving Office Depot the naming rights to the Panthers home. So no more Mac Arena. What are we going to call it now? The Office Depot? I'm still calling it the Mac Arena. Under the terms of the agreement, Office Depot Center is now the exclusive name of the 20,000-seat sports and entertainment venue located on 1 Panther Parkway in Sunrise. This partnership strengthens our leadership position in South Florida and provides us with a marquee-branded venue to further support our integrated marketing efforts, whatever. Doesn't that sound like a, a wonderful uh, bunch of double talk? Yes. What, what does that mean? The center is a vital and vibrant part of our community, and we hope to continue its tradition of positively impacting the South Florida community through a wide range of sports, entertainment, and fundraising initiatives. 
We're very pleased to have Office Depot as our new naming rights partner, said Jordan Zimmerman, partner slash president of the Panthers. They're a reputable locally based company whose corporate philosophy and commitment to the community complements those of the Panthers and the facility. It's with great pleasure and pride we welcome them to our facility as opposed to the, what was the name of it before? I forget. I've been, I've been calling it the Macarena for so long, I forget what the hell the goddamn name of it was. What is National the name of it? National Car Rental Center? Oh, the National Car Rental Center. Uh, yeah, right. And then, of course, Wayne uh, went separate ways with that. So now it's the Office Depot Center. All I can say is, <laughs> let's go to the Macarena. Michigan arrest warrant. We'll get to the Leahy thing. Michigan arrest warrant issued for ex-priest in Hawaii. An arrest warrant has been issued in Michigan for a former Roman Catholic priest living in Hawaii who is charged with criminal sexual conduct. Robert Burkholder, 82, of Leeward, Oahu, was charged August 27 with two counts of secondary criminal sexual conduct. He's accused of assaulting a 13-year-old Detroit area boy in 1986 in Detroit. The warrant for Burkholder's arrest was issued Friday, according to the Detroit News. He's going to be arrested over the next several days, Douglas Baker, a deputy chief assistant Wayne County prosecutor, told the paper. In a recent interview with the news, Burkholder acknowledged having sexual relationship with up to two dozen boys as young as 11. Isn't this interesting? Here's another one of the stories where the ages of the boys seems to be very, very young. You know what I'm saying? Yep. We just got carried away, Burkholder said to the 13-year-old boy. He might have been lonely, and priests are lonely persons, too. We need friendships, and kids love priests. I weakened. I was looking for affection and popped an erection or something like that. Wayne County Prosecutor Michael Duggan has branded Burkholder one of the worst pedophiles we've ever seen in this state. Burkholder's attorney, Irving Turkle of uh, Tuchel, T-U-K-E-L, Irving Tuchel of Bingham Farms, said the client, his client has dementia. <laughs> <laughs> Too much of that funny business with them young boys. Isn't that what they said in The Godfather? Something like that. Too much comedy. Too much comedy with them young boys. Tuchel said he planned to ask for a competency exam in Hawaii, a move that Wayne County prosecutors are not contesting. Now, let me ask you about the Sopranos. You watched it, I'm sure, last night? Of course. Now, was the one last night, were they out in the snow with a guy that they were going to uh, blow away and he got away? No. That's an old one? Yes. See, I'm watching because these are the ones that are on every night, and I can't for the life of me. I don't know what that's all about. So I would assume that the new one would have been on that channel, but it wasn't. And I watched for about five minutes. And that part of the movie seemed like a ripoff. What, what was that other? The Miller Miller's Crossing, wasn't that it? Okay, sure. Where they took the guy. I mean, there was no snow in that movie, but they. Right. I don't know. To me, it's like a poor. It's kind of like a mishmash of a poor man's Godfather, it's Miller's Crossing, Goodfellas, like any of the above. With a lot of with a lot of four-letter words, okay, which is the only DVD reason that you watch it. the first season so that you can actually understand what's going on, and then you'll understand it. Oh, there's the picture of that Ben Al Sheev guy. Nice headgear, man. Black leaders want Leahy out. Stung by what they believe is evidence of further disenfranchisement in last Tuesday's election, national and local black leaders tend to take action against Dade County officials if they don't remove election supervisor David Leahy before the November election. See, they're pissed because they're saying again they were disenfranchised. This can't keep happening to one group of people, and no one sees this as done deliberately, said Bishop. Oh, Bishop Victor Curry, minister and community leader. And you know what is beside those two things what he is? He's an asshole. White people, Cubans, everybody should be mad, he says. Even Cubans. Curry on Friday said he'd fight against a transit tax proposal on the November 5th ballot, and groups including the NAACP, the Democratic Black Caucus, and People United to lead the struggle for equality vowed to take legal action if changes are not made in the elections department. And he's right. Curry said he was use, would use his WMBM radio program on their 10-watt station to campaign against a proposed sales tax to fund a $17 billion expansion mass transit in Dade County. The tax is the brainchild of Mayor Pinga Pequena, who says it's vital to wheeze congestion and improve quality of life in the county. Curry said Pinellas places a higher priority on that than on ensuring citizens can vote. 
What's more important to the citizens than other tax for transportation that we never benefited from? We're making sure our constitutional rights are in place. Victor Curry said, which goes to show that every squirrel sooner or later finds a nut because he's got his thumb right on it. He also said he would start a countywide petition drive for Leahy's removal. Curry hopes that thousands of signatures will convince King of Picania, County Manager Steve Shiver, and commissioners that Leahy must go. Let's hear it. We want the Saudi deal stopped now. Remember that? I was talking about that right. on Friday for the ten of us who saw the movie Network. Isn't that ironic? Another part of the ingenious of Patty Chayefsky being 30 years ahead of his time. And here was the Saudis. Remember, they were knee-deep, but they were up to their right. armpits in telegrams. Yep. They were sucking telegrams at the White House because of Howard Beale. Crime is mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Oh! Yeah. And poor Robert Duval, Frank Hackett, was having a nervous breakdown. Right. Because Saudi Arabia was taken over. They were buying out one of the four major networks in the U.S. The Saudis, baby. And then, of course, I think back to that 60 Minutes piece. Remember it's many months ago? Sure. And they show that Saudi sheik, that son of a mm-hmm. bitch, sitting there watching CNBC. There's the stock ticker going and all these people. He had all these people lined up to kiss his ring and kiss his ass. Right. They, they, they get together so they can bow down and uh, kiss him. Pastor resigns after porn complaint. Seems to be having a spate of these again. Fredericksburg, uh, Virginia. The pastor of Roman Catholic Parish resigned after a fellow priest complained he had gay pornographic videos and photos in his rectumary bedroom. The Reverend Daniel E. Hamilton, pastor of St. Mary's Parish in Fredericksburg, stepped on August 26th, Bishop Paul S. Laverty said. Hamilton, 59, had been a pastor of St. Mary's for two years. The diocese would not make him, not make him available for comment. Like that. They gave him a gag order. The diocese said Hamilton was ordered by the bishop to undergo evaluation and treatment last fall, cooperated fully. Despite these facts, certain persons recently took it upon themselves to publicize Father Hamilton's past failing. The diocese said in the statement, because his ministry could be negatively impacted, Father Hamilton submitted his resignation as pastor. Bye, Father. Ex-priest sentenced in Australia. A former Roman Catholic priest was sentenced Friday to more than 10 years in prison for sex offenses against teenage boys, court officials said. Vincent Kieran Kiss. <laughs> I want to give you a kiss. That was his name. Is that beautiful or what? Yep. Vincent Kieran Kiss pleaded guilty last month to ten charges of indecent assault and three charges of sexual abuse against four boys during 1966 and 73. Kiss, 70, was sentenced to ten and a half years in prison and cannot be paroled for seven years. The New South Wales State District Court was told Kiss met his victims then aged between 13 and 17 when he was chaplain at a Catholic school in Aubrey, 300 miles southwest of Sydney. Prosecutors said Kiss would take the boys sailing around trips to Sydney where he would sexually assault them. I want to give you a kiss. Judge Penelope Hock, as in Hock Minishkin Chinik, said Kiss's conduct had been a gross breach of trust exploitation. His conduct was appalling for any adult male, but was rendered more so as a teacher and spiritual advisor to boys of his faith and mind and body, she added. Kiss served time in prison after pleading guilty in 1993 to stealing almost a million dollars from a charitable trust to fund a lavish lifestyle. Well, I guess, you know, if you're going to have a nice sailboat, you got to, like... I want to give you a kiss. Have some serious cash. Twelve minutes past noon at 560 WQM, 355 votes on a poll. How do you feel about George W.'s plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. You can smell it. Just like that bomb Neil dropped in the elevator. It's pungent. I'm against it. It smells of politics, 144. Let's roll. Saddam has to go, 100. I'm for it if our allies join in, 42. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone, 37. I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor, 32. Uh, two, 32. So 176. We got 355, half of which is 187. It is tight. 
Hey, all of it is a soft gel capsule. That's good for you. A lot of people have started popping it all over the place. I wonder if this is Skippy's account. See, that's another thing that's going to end tomorrow when we have our ten new uh, uh, administrators in the building. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It would be nice to find out who has these accounts. Don't you think that would be a good start? I'm not suggesting something as radical as new copy, you know, anything, <laughs> anything like that. But, I mean, wouldn't it be nice to find out who has these accounts so we can maybe, like, approach them and, uh, you know, crank their chain a little bit, see if we can't jumpstart their act action? Anyway, in oleo maybe you'll find the best olive oil on the planet along with a lot of other good stuff to help your health. Uh, vitamins and minerals and herbals are in there along with that great olive oil and... Oleomed makes a different product for each different part of your body and your health. One for your prostate, one specifically designed and divine to help your heart. One for your blood pressure and cholesterol. One for your circulatory system, your digestive system, your endocrine system, your skin, your bones, even your mind. Screw in, even your mind, that's right. All using the benefits of the best olive oil on the planet. And Oleomed's got products for men and ladies as well, but I'm sure you know that by now. Pick some up today. Pick up Oleomed at Walgreens, Whole Food Markets. Navarro Pharmacy, Sedano's, it's a phenomenal, spectacular, sensational, amazing new product. It's pretty good. And uh, you'll find it on the shelves in those stores or get more information on it by calling their toll-free number, Oleomed. It's uh, 1-866-Oleomed. That's one. Do I sound a little incoherent? No. Nope. Easy to understand why. Call 1-866-Oleomed or you can order their products on their website, too, at oleomedamerica.com. <laughs> Are you fudge packing? Hiya, pal. This is Rosie O'Donnell. So, you think I ain't a girl no more, huh? You think I ain't a girl no more? <laughs> Would I like to belt you one? Bang, zoom. Well, for your information, I'm the queen. The queen of my castle. Of course I'm a girl. Just ask any of my girlfriends. Like, uh, Janet Reno or Ann Coulter. They'll tell you I'm a girl. A girl? I'm a girl. Just I don't like being a girl. And another thing. If you... Hey, what do you say there, Lucy Boy? Oh, hiya, Kelly. Are you ready for some golfing? Oh, I'd like to get one of my... Nah, not today, pal. I'm worried about everybody not thinking I'm femme. Think I might have something to do with you smelling like McGillicuddy's fish market? You are a metal cage. Jeez, what a crowd. Get out! All right, but then I can't give you this. Give me what? What do you got behind your back? Come on, hand it over. Here. Vagisil? You got me Vagisil? I have just bought, uh, with all the problems you got, it'd be nice if you could clear up that mashed potato yeast to so... Kelly, you're the greatest. Why did that going around, you know, that mashed potato yeast? 12, 18, maybe that's what got you sick last week. <laughs> maybe. 1218 at 560 WQM. Guess who they just had on there? They had uh, one of the Schmata heads, the guy whose name is Butt. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw him. His name, his name Butt. is Butt. Yeah. Butt, 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 butt. Yeah, that's it. And anyway, they had him hocking a chunk. Of course, they're going to be on Larry King, those three guys, who've uh, got a whole different story now because they don't want to be accused of uh, fraud. Is that, is that what they call fraud? Defrauding the public? I, I don't know what that is. How can you accuse them of fraud? Uh, I, I don't know. But at any rate, uh, they don't want to get their uh, teats in a ringer. And then they had Eunice Stone on there, the lady from Georgia, from Calhoun County. And she says she didn't add no salt and pepper. She's not in the business of going around making things up. In addition to which, she's not bigoted, and she's talking about uh, her descent. She's like German-Irish kraut mix, something like that. I don't know. Eunice Stone. I believe her. Me too. I mean, I, I can see that she'd have seen the guys, especially the ones wearing a schmata, and she's kind of like looking through the uh, lattice work there in a restaurant, you know, right. looking through the lettuce in the lattice. But uh, I, I just can't imagine anybody making up a story like that. No, I think that's exactly what happened is that she was eyeballing them. Right. They picked she up on that. She was balling them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> she was giving them the eye, and they thought, I oh, see. let's have some fun with this redneck cracker bitch and uh, talk some smack. Right. And, uh, and there you go. Let's talk fine. some smack and uh, open our crack. Rectum. Something like that. And then all of a sudden they're playing the wounded party now because uh, they, they stirred up this whole crap. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars were uh, spent. Our taxpayer money in Florida, by the way, spent like crazy in that whole big investigation. And they had to send a goddamn little Roto-Rooter robot out there and all this other crap, that uh, the, uh, the uh, bomb squad, everything. Hours and hours of uh, free entertainment for South Florida. Maybe they ought to charge for it. Anyway, we have 362 votes, and it's nip and tuck, it's neck and neck. Don't forget to join Joe and Mark tonight, 9 to 11, for Monday Night Football at Gatsby's and Kendall. What's the game tonight, by the way? Oh, it's the, uh, who is it? And you notice we don't carry Monday Night Football anymore, do we? Huh. Isn't that interesting? It seem to be. You want to know why? Marlins. No, because Mo isn't doing those games anymore. I mean, who the hell wants to hear those games with Marv Albert? Anyway, uh, join Joe and Mark, 9 to 11, Monday Night Football, Gatsby's and Kendall. Stop by to win prizes and enjoy specials on the Crown World. It's the Eagles and the Redskins. See, if I would have just finished the promo, I would answer my own question. I read it already before, so I should have known that. The Eagles and Redskins tonight at Gatsby's and Kendall. Columnist resigns over sexual relationship. Nationally syndicated Chicago Tribune columnist Bob Green. Did you realize that Bob Green had a uh, sexual thing going on? Um, Not that one. Oh. Resigned after acknowledging he engaged in inappropriate sexual conduct with a teenage girl, the newspaper said yesterday. In a note on the paper's front page, editor Anna Marie Lipinski said Green acknowledged the sexual conduct with a girl in her late teens whom, whom he met in connection with his column. Green, 55, told the AP in an email Sunday, There have been indiscretions in my life that I'm not proud of. He didn't address the conduct that led to his resignation. I don't have the words to express the sadness I feel, Green wrote. I'm very sorry for anyone I've let down, including the readers, who for so long meant so much further discuss the matter. Today I need to be with my family and loved ones, he wrote. Green has written extensively on social issues in American life and columns that appeared in the Tribune four times a week and were syndicated for newspapers around the country. Kind of like a Doug Danziger thing here, speaking of that. Remember Doug Danziger was like... Never forget. No, oh, yeah, big big crusader, big flag waver, like for uh, decency and morality, and been real big there with that Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. He was waving it. In 1998, Green was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize for columns on local children whose lives were mishandled by the judicial welfare systems. He's also written several books and provided commentary on Tribune-owned WGN-TV, home of the Cubs, home of the Cubs, and they still suck. Green's behavior was a serious violation of Tribune ethics and standards for its journalist, Lipinski wrote in Sunday's editions. We deeply regret the conduct, its effect on a young woman, and the impact the disclosure has had on the trust our readers placed in Green and his newspaper. The Tribune first heard the allegation after receiving an anonymous complaint last week, prompting an inquiry by editors and other Tribune officials, Lipinski wrote. The conduct occurred some years ago, she said. Green was suspended by the paper, which then sought his resignation. He submitted it Saturday night. Gary Whiteman, a spokesman for a Tribune Company, said the newspaper would have no further comment. Oh, here's this story again. We've had it before, but it keeps rearing its uh, lovely head. Nevada voters may legalize marijuana. They're going to wind up with the same thing that... Oh, and you weren't, you weren't here when we had this story about Santa Cruz. They're having no. a free pot. A free pot day is a protest of the federal government. Remember we had this story about they raided the, uh, the legal cannabis uh, joints there? Right. The medical marijuana places? Mm-hmm. And the uh, DEA went in there and they raided them, even though they have local ordinances and statewide ordinances that permit the growing of uh, medical marijuana in California. Right. And so now we may have another contretemps. The DEA, I'm sure, is watching this very carefully. Nevada voters may legalize marijuana. In Nevada, they love gambling and tolerate prostitution. Now they're talking about legalizing pot. All right. A measure on the ballot November 5th will make Nevada the first state to allow adults to possess marijuana up to three ounces, enough for maybe 100 joints. Oh, 
People over 21 would be allowed to smoke in their homes. See, and here in Canada, they're talking about 16. Legalization, 16. Nevada, they're talking people over 21 would be allowed. Oh, you know what the legal drinking age is here? 18? 19. Okay. Not 21, 19. People over 21 would be allowed to smoke it in their homes, but not in cars at public places. Pot would be sold in state-licensed smoke shops and taxed like cigarettes. This initiative will allow the police to spend more time going after murderers, rapists, and other violent criminals, said Billy Rogers, leader of the group that's pushing the measure. Whether it would actually take effect is a federal law bans marriage weenie possession, and the White House has come out strongly against the idea. Also, Nevada voters would have to approve the proposal again in 2004 before it came law. In other words, on a ballot in 2004 would say, are you sure? Yeah, there would be a line there. Are you sure? Right. No, really this time. Nevada, home of the nation's gambling capital, has long had a fondness for what others forbid. Although prostitution is banned in Las Vegas, Reno, Carson City, and in 49 states, it is legal in 10 of Nevada's 17 counties. The 30 licensed brothels are in the state are monitored by the state uh, health division. In addition, Vegas has a multitude of alcohol entertainment services that are thought to be fronts for call girl businesses. Thought to be. <laughs> But the vote on marijuana represents a mar remarkable about face in Nevada's attitude towards pot. A year ago, Nevada had one of the nation's strictest marijuana laws. Possession of a single joint was a felony published by a year or more in prison. In 2000, Nevada voters approved the use of medical marijuana, and the legislature voted in 2001 to make possession of less than an ounce of pot a misdemeanor, punishable by up to six months in jail and a $1,000 fine. Opinion polls on the marijuana measure saw Nevadans almost evenly split, with opponents gaining ground. What measure are we sending our youth if this initiative passes that it's okay to take drugs, said school counselor Teresa Jemsa, if marijuana becomes legal? And what drug is next? The plan was put on the November ballot after the group led by Rogers, Nevadans for Responsible Law Enforcement, gathered the necessary 75,000 signatures. See, in South Florida, we're voting again on, you know, should we take fag rights away? And there they're voting on something like a little more progressive. Moving, moving forward a little bit, even though it's taken them a hell of a long time. And in South Florida, moving backward, backward, that's the word for South Florida, ass backward, which is why we can't get a goddamn election done right. Ever, ever, never. And it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Germany's Foreign Secret Service, BND, voiced doubts on U.S. intelligence reports that have warned of Iraq's advanced weapons of mass destruction program. The Daily Berliner Zeitung said that a high-ranking BND official is saying in Berlin last Thursday, acknowledging that Iraq was in fact continuing to develop its weapons of mass destruction program, the official noted, let us doubt whether these programs are nearing a successful conclusion. The official added that although Iraq ordered a U.N. arms inspector to leave the country in 98, the BND has still managed to obtain a lot of information on Iraq's weapons program. According to a 1999 BND report, Iraq would be capable of reaching the technological level of its 1990 arms program, which included a remarkable nuclear infrastructure. Huh? That last sentence is kind of like, you know, left like hanging there. They would be, they could be, but they're not close, is basically what it boils down to. Are they close? No. 27 past noon at 560 WQM. we got the angry puppy, the mad dog, coming up at the 1 o'clock this afternoon. I keep telling you that mattress shopping is a waste of time, and it's amazing, it's shocking, it's almost scandalous that there are still people stupid enough out there who go schlepping around from bedding to department store, from department to bedding store, wasting their time and hard-earned cash. If that's what you want to do, be my guest. It's still a free country in that respect anyway, so far. But if you want to get you a new mattress the smart way, do what I always do, make one easy phone call. I mean, that, that's the choice. Either run all around town, get ripped off, and get a piece of crap, or just make one easy call and get you a great name brand mattress, exactly the one you're looking for, at an everyday low price. Call 1-800-MATTRESS right now and get the ultimate freedom of choosing from the top brands in the world. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, they got them all. And because they've got low prices every day, you don't have to worry about waiting for some special sale and wind up getting bait and swished and a mattress that you didn't want in the first place. 
So if you're not sleeping great, if you're not getting a good night's sleep night after night, your back probably feels it, and you probably feel it too. Get rid of the old crappy mattress and call Dial a Mattress right now. They'll be there in no time. And don't forget, you pick the schedule. Any to our window, any day, seven days a week. Call 1-800-MATTRESS right now, and as soon as tonight, you'll have a big smile on your ugly puss. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the web at mattress.com. Live, live and local, we're Sports Radio 560, QAM. Tuck it in and hold it. This Sunday on The Sopranos. So what, no f***ing is easy now? Hey! Well, me. Suck my f***ing. Your sister's ass. Here comes the Prozac. You would take the lips over the tits. Toodle f***ing oop. You mother He's got a real f***ing attitude problem. Why don't you kick me in the f***ing head? The words will come blowing out your ass. Put a shirt on. I'm getting a chubby. There's two things I'm good at. It's pulling vents. And spotting good jobs. I might not be able to wipe my own ass, you know that? You're born to this I'm a babbling idiot. Can you just shut the fuck up about it? Stick it up your ass. Someone cut your dick off. Get yourself under the vaporizer. You're a stupid motherfucker, you know that? You fucking piece of shit. Oh, now, please, don't start with that name business. What the fuck is your problem? Oh, the fucking audience with the Pope. I bet you're very good to your mother. Fuck you! Fuck what? Yeah, f*** you. Are you f***ing with me? I'm f***ing day, huh? That's nothing but a, a racket for the Jews. Jesus Christ, how you doing? F***ing nosy. Eat your money, God. I can't eat that. It's got cholesterol. Can I just get some macaroni and gravy? And f*** you. F*** you. F*** you. F*** me. I don't like that kind of talk. Anybody else want to mouth off? F*** this. I'm going to Boca. See, see she said manicot. So I know that it's not for real. She did. They're Guidos. They are specifically Guidos. Uh, no wonder I don't want to see that. I, I'm going to see a mobster movie, a gangster movie. I want to see like real... Uh, it's not a movie. It's a series. It's a soap real, opera. I don't care what Just it is. I want to see some real Sicilians, man. I don't want to hear like Manicot and uh, Mozzarella and all that other Guido then crap. Then you would really like it when they actually do go to Italy and how the Italians talk about them. Yeah. You would have loved that. I already know how the Italians well, talk about them. You would have chuckled to death seeing it. In fact, the Italians uh, hooked him up, some of them up with Juan Carlos Bafangula from Channel 7. Is that really his name? <laughs> One of the Italians said, and we thought the Germans were pigs. Robert Fisk, America's case for war is built on blindness, hypocrisy, and lies. George Bush and Donald Rumsfeld are willingly ignoring the realities of the Middle East. The result can only be catastrophic, writes um, Robert Fisk in The Independent, another Brit paper. Years ago, in a snug underground restaurant in downtown Tehran, drinking Duke, D-U-Q, do you, do you do it, do you Q, an Iranian beverage of mint and yogurt, Saddam Hussein's former head of nuclear research told me what happened when he Ew. made a personal appearance. What? I was just digesting that mint and yogurt. Saddam Hussein's former head of nuclear research told me what happened when he made a personal appearance for the release of a friend from prison. I was taken directly from my Baghdad office to the, dicta- to the director of state security. He said, I was thrown down the stairs to an underground cell, then stripped and trussed up on a wheel attached to the ceiling. Then the director came to see me. You will tell us all about your friends, everything, he said. In your field of research, you are an expert the best. In my field of research, I'm the best man. That's when the whipping and the electrodes began. All this happened, of course, when Saddam Hussein was still our friend when we were encouraging him to go on killing Iranians in his 1980-88 war against Tehran when the U.S. government under President Bush Sr. was giving Iraq preferential agricultural assistance funding. 
Not long before, Saddam's pilots had fired a missile into the American warship called the Stark and almost sunk it. Pilot error, claimed Saddam. The American vessel had been mistaken for an Iranian oil tanker, and the U.S. government cheerfully forgave the Iraqi dictator. Those were the days. But sitting in the U.N. General Assembly last week, watching Bush Jr. tell us with all his Texan passion about the beatings and the whippings and the rapes in Iraq, you would have thought they'd just been discovered. For sheer brazen historical hypocrisy, it would have been difficult to beat that part of the president's speech. Saddam, it appears, turned into a bad guy when he invaded Kuwait in 1990. Before that, he was just a loyal ally of the U.S., a strong man, as the news agency boys like to call our dictators, rather than a tyrant. But the real lie in the president's speech, that which has dominated American political discourse since the crimes against humanity on 9-11 last year, was the virtual absence of any attempt to explain the real reasons why the U.S. has found itself under attack. In his mendacious article in this newspaper last week, President Bush's defense secretary, Donald Rumsfeld, also attempted to mask this reality. The September 11th assault, he announced, was an attack on people who believe in freedom, who practice tolerance, and who defend the inalienable rights of man. He made, as usual, absolutely no reference to the Middle East, to America's woeful biased policies in that region, to its ruthless support for Arab dictators who do its bidding, for Saddam Hussein, for example, at a time when the head of Iraqi nuclear research was undergoing his uh, cavalry, not, nor to America's military presence in the holiest of Muslim lands, nor to its unconditional support for Israel's occupation of Palestinian land in the West Bank and Gaza. Oddly, a very faint ghost of this reality did, did creep into the start of the President's U.N. Address, address last week. It was contained in two sentences whose importance was totally ignored by the American press and whose true meaning might have been lost on Mr. Bush himself, given that he didn't write his speech, but it was revealing nonetheless. Our common security, he said, is challenged by regional conflicts, ethnic and religious strife that is ancient and but not inevitable. In the Middle East, there can be no peace for either side without freedom for both sides. Then he repeated his old line about the need for an independent and democratic Palestine. This was perhaps as close as we've gotten so far to an official admission that this whole terrible crisis is about the Middle East. If this is a simple war for civilization against evil, the line that Mr. Bush was so cruelly peddling against the survivors of 9-11 and the victims' relatives last week, then what are these regional challenges? Why did Palestine in in insinuate its way into the text of President Bush's U.N. speech? Needless to say, this strange, uncomfortable little truth was of no interest in New York and Washington media, whose willful refusal to investigate the real political causes of this whole catastrophe has led to a news coverage that is as bizarre as it is schizophrenic. Before dawn on 9-11 last week, I watched six American TV channels and saw the Twin Towers fall to the ground 18 times. The few references to the suicide killers who committed the crime made not a single mention of the fact that they were Arabs. Last week, the Washington Post and the New York Times went to agonizing lengths to separate their Middle East coverage from the 9-11 September commemorations as they might be committing some form of sacrilege or reacting in bad taste if they did not. The challenge for the administration is to offer a coherent and persuasive explanation of how the Iraq danger is connected to the 9-11 attacks is about as far as the Washington Post got in smelling a rat, and that only dropped into the seventh paragraph of an eight-paragraph eight editorial. All references to Palestine or illegal Jewish settlements or Israeli occupation of Arab land were simply erased from the public conscience last week. When Hanan Ashrari, that most humane of Palestinian women, tried to speak at Colorado University on 9-11, Jewish groups organized a massive demonstration against her. U.S. television simply did not acknowledge the Palestinian tragedy. It's a tribute to our own reporting that at least John Pilger's trenchant program, Palestine is Still the Issue, is being shown on ITV, that's in Britain, tomorrow night, all of that the disgracefully late time of 11.05 p.m. But maybe all this no longer matters. When Mr. Rumsfeld can claim so outrageously as he did when asked for proof of Iraq's nuclear potential that the absence of evidence doesn't mean the evidence of absence, we might as well end all moral debate. When Mr. Rumsfeld refers to the so-called occupied West Bank, he reveals himself to be a very disreputable man. When he advances the policy of a preemptive act of war, as he did in the Independent on Sunday last week, 
He forgets Israel's preemptive 1982 invasion of Lebanon, which cost 17,500 Arab lives and 22 years of occupation, and it didn't retreat and military defeat for Israel. Strange things are going on in the Middle East right now. Arab military intelligence reports the shifting of massive U.S. arms shipments around the region, not just to Qatar and Kuwait, but to the Arabian Sea, the Red Sea, and the Eastern Mediterranean. American and military, American and Israeli military planners and intelligence analysts are said to have met twice in Tel Aviv to discuss the potential outcome of the next Middle East war. The destruction of Saddam and the breakup of Saudi Arabia, a likely scenario if Iraq crumbles, have long been two Israeli dreams. As the U.S. discovered during its fruitful period of neutrality between 1939 and 41, war primes the pumps of the economy. Is that what's going on today, the preparation of a war to refloat the U.S. economy? My Israeli colleague, Amira Haas, wants to find to me our job as journalists, to monitor the centers of power. Never has it been so important for us to do just that, for if we fail, we'll become the mouthpiece of power. So a few thoughts for the coming weeks. Remember the days when Saddam was America's friend. Remember that Arabs committed the crimes against humanity, 9-11, last year, and that they came from a place called the Middle East, a place of injustice and occupation and torture. Remember Palestine. Remember that a year ago no one spoke of Iraq, only of al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. And I suppose remember that evil is a good crowd puller, but a mighty hard enemy to shoot down with a missile. Wow. Yeah, kind of hard to shoot that evil down with a missile, ain't it? Last time we checked. Yes. That's 20 till 1 at 560 WQAM. You notice most of the, uh, well, not most, but a lot of the good articles are in the Brit papers? Yes, indeed. Because they don't have to pander as much? Correct. 20 till 1, we got the mad dog coming along who's going to rave about that big dolphin win against the inept, uh, Indianapolis Colts yesterday who can't, uh, who just don't have a watch. They don't have a clock. That's the problem. They just uh, don't get it. Or maybe it could be that uh, Sandy Peyton Manning is just a little stupid. He looks stupid. Maybe he is a little stupid. Highly overrated, by the way, but you won't hear that on this station. Hey, let me tell you about how you become a high-paid computer professional. You get yourself educated. You've heard us talk about the big jobs that are out there in the computer business. How do you get an education to help you accomplish these things and get into an area where you can start making some serious cash? There's only one school that's got four convenient locations in Dayton Broward, and that school, of course, is Fast Train. How did you guess? There's one school that's got certified Microsoft instructors, convenient day, evening, and weekend classes. One school that's got full-time job placement department with over 30 years' experience. Only one school that's got Todd Reck as their AE. And with this school, your program can get certified in just four short months. We're talking hands-on training, baby. They'll put their hands right on it. So if you want to get yourself into a meaningful career and start, like I said, making a real serious salary, call Fast Train, 1-866-FAST-TRAIN. The call is tool-free. They'll be happy to answer all your questions with no obligation whatsoever. That's 1-866-FAST-TRAIN, or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web, if you like, at FastTrain.com. Live and local, this is Sports Radio 560, QAQAM. It's Steak in Miami Town at 560-WQAM. One family has captured the imagination of all of America. It's Al-Qaeda in the family. Killing all the infidels. Non-believers go to hell. Living in a cave that smells. These are the days. Osama bin Laden's favorite son, Sa'ad, is taking over the family business. Funny business, that is. Oh, oh shut up, eat it, you dang bat. And where is that no-good meat turban son of mine, huh? Hey, uh, you called Pop? Al-Qaeda in the family. It's like something you've seen before. Oh, boy. Some of Mom's goat ribs. What are you going to do? Eat the great Satan to death, huh? Jeez. 
Um, no, Pop. Uh, just building up my strength for the jihad. Oh, Stop building up and start blowing up there, huh? When the son of a jackal gets a son of his own, hilarity ensues on Al-Qaeda in the family. Only on Al Jazeera TV Land. 1246 at 560 WQM. It's a beautiful day here in Toronto. I'll tell you that. Man, the sun is shining. Going to hit about uh, 73 today. It's loverly. Low humidity. No rain. 386 votes on our survey. How do you feel about George W.'s plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. Timing smells of politics, 155. Let's roll. Saddam has to go, 109. I'm for it if our uh, allies join in, 48. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone, 40. And I'm against it. The U.S. should never be the aggressor, only 34. So let's see. You had 155. There is 189. And half of 386 is 193. It is tight, baby. It is really tight. Now, look at this. Breaking. There's no breaking news on here. They're showing these six scumbags that they arrested in uh, Lackawanna in Buffalo. There's no breaking news. They're all of a Yemen, Yemeni descent. They all live in Lackawanna, New York. There's no breaking news on there. Take that off of there, you assholes on CNN. There's no breaking news. We know all of these things, okay? Stop it already. Quit your lying. You maniacs. You uh, axe murderers. Oh, look at that. Look at what? Oh, they showed Bill Gates. And they but there's Martha Stewart. Yeah. Oh. And there's that craphead. Yeah, that guy. Who the hell was that? I don't know. Some rich asshole. Yeah, exactly. University tightened security after more holes discovered in dorms. <laughs> They're looking for glory holes. <laughs> oh, I love this story. This is from Boulder, Colorado. Maybe they should cover up those holes with a boulder. University of Colorado students in three dormitories on our edge after peepholes were discovered in several bathroom walls over a six-month period. I can't imagine what bit we're playing after the next break. <laughs> The most recent cases involving three peepholes that were drilled through the housekeeping closet walls next to men's and women's bathrooms in Cheyenne, Arpaho, and Baker Halls. Did I say Arpo? Arapaho. You ever get a chance to Arapaho? No. The school is handling it well, and I'm personally not scared, said Baker resident Summer Moore, 18. But other students are really worried. Some are scared of that. Summer Moore, didn't that sound like a hooker or something? Mm-hmm. University officials have arrested a construction worker in one case. They've also got stepped-up security by requiring weekly dorm inspections, ID cards to get into utility closets, and picture IDs for all the visitors. We're just devastated, housing director Deb Coffin said. We're up all night thinking about what else we can do to keep our students safe. The first peepholes were found last spring, drilled through four utility closets next to a woman's bathroom at Fairman Hall. Sounds like one of those uh, silly uh, teeny bob movies. Right. Right. Campus, yeah. Campus police arrested con- uh, contact construction worker Michael D. Hall, 29, who told investigators he looked through the holes and watched women shower. He pleaded innocent to burglary and sexual assault charges. Trial is set for November 9. Last week, maintenance workers conducting inspections found the three latest peepholes. Campus police spokesman um, Sergeant Tim McGraw said the investigators don't believe Hall's responsible for those holes, but they can't rule them out. Nine women who lived in Ferrand Hall have filed notice of intent to sue the university for failing to warn them earlier. Coffin said a security consultant has been hired to evaluate safety and surveillance equipment may be installed in dorms. But we're also worried about student privacy, she said. We don't want them to be thinking there's a big brother watching over them, just a bunch of horny guys looking through pee holes. Katie Chipko, 17, said it's unsettling, that's for sure, but I'm not going to stop going to the bathroom because of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> nice like, going, Katie. Has an Good thinking on your part, sweetheart. Yeah, because when you got to go, you got to go, honey. God. Oh, college sex columnist causing a stir. Natalie Krinsky dares to go public on a topic most of her college classmates keep between friends, sex in the Elm City, otherwise known as New Haven, Connecticut. 
The 19-year-old junior is the resident sex expert at Yale University student newspaper, one of a small but growing number of college publications with writers who detail the trials and tribulations of a favorite college pastime. Their columns have campuses buzzing. And that's all right because we're 20 years old and just starting to talk about this stuff, says Krinsky. <laughs> we're 20 years old and just starting to talk about this stuff? My who detailed her experiments with oral sex in some of her most popular and controversial columns last year. Now she's back for more this semester. She's back for more. Squirt, squirt. Open wide, honey. As her fellow columnist often knew, Krinsky uses a mix of wisecracks, raw language, and unvarnished advice to make her points. Nudity is inherently humorous. The body is beautiful, of course. But the things we do with our bodies in the sack are plain weird, she observed in one of her columns' tamer moments. Have you ever heard your roommate having sex? It's embarrassing. You're embarrassed to be human. A column about fellatio triggered hundreds of hits on the Yale Daily News website. Some students were aghast and threatened to transfer. Is this journalism one griped, gripped? At least a few student editors seem to think so. College papers from New York University, the University of Kansas, to the University of California, Berkeley, have started their own sex column. Good for them. Editors say they're taking a cue from off-read Internet-based columns that openly address the topic. Some also note that they're simply giving their readers, many of them sexually active before college. Can you believe that? Information they needed but never got from home or each other. A recent survey of 15- to 17-year-olds by the Kaiser Family Foundation and Seventeen Magazine illustrated how taboo talk about sex is. Among teens who had engaged in sexual intercourse, only one in ten discussed their plans with a parent ahead of time, the survey said. About 40% of sexually active respondents also said they'd never talked to their sex partners about the AIDS virus and other sexually transmitted diseases. While it would be nice to think that kids don't have hormones and aren't ready to have sex until they're married and in their 20s, that's not reality. No kidding, said Megan Bainham, sex columnist at the University of Kansas student newspaper. Isn't that exciting? We don't start talking about these things until we're in our 20s. Well, I'm glad to know that. <laughs> because you know that talk. Once it, it starts with talk and then squirt, squirt. before you know it, who knows what's going to pop up. 1252 at 560 WQAM. Join, speaking of that, join Joe and Mark tonight, 9 to 11, for Monday Night Football at Gatsby's Kendall. Stop by to win some real marginal, some real cheesy QAM prizes and enjoy specials on Crown Royal. It's the Eagles and the Redskins tonight at Gatsby's and Kendall with Joe and Mark, the Dirty Boys. Hey, Paul is here in New Balance, and this copy man is a P.D. Lenny. I'm going to tell you something. we got a crisis in copy man. It's a P.D. Lenny special. You'll, you'll know in a second how I know that. Fall is upon us, and New Balance in South Florida covers all your athletic and... I beg your pardon? Fall is upon us, and New Balance South Florida covers all your athletic and schlepping around town needs. Ah. Who, do you th who do you think wrote that? Skippy. Our number one schlepper. If you need new athletic shoes for cross-training, cross-dressing, running, walking, weightlifting, or other weekend warrior activities, New Balance of South Florida has got your feet covered. New Balance of South Florida, they came up with a revolutionary concept. They measure your feet the old-fashioned way. When you walk in the store, they want to see how long it is and how wide it is in your foot, too. They custom design shoes for you at New Balance of South Florida because they care about your comfort. With all the other brands of shoes, if they don't fit, you have to go to another model or, uh, or type. Oh, this, is, this could be the worst single piece of copy I've ever read in my life. P.D. Lenny, guess what? You're going to the woodshed, sweetheart. You're going to the woodshed. Go schlep them around, okay? New Balance has got shoes to match your foot's length from infant to size 20 and width from narrow AA to extra wide 4E. And I'll give him a 4F. The result, athletic shoes that give you the best possible fit, like the great walk-in shoes that I've been wearing. In fact, this is my second pair. These are the best I've ever worn, and I'm not falling on my ass all the time either. New Balance is South Florida. they got style shoes and uh, sizes and widths of shoes that you could only find before in catalogs. This is the worst piece. Of, if, if they pay for this spot, it's got to be one of the great. You know something? Even Jesse James never pulled a heist like this. You know that? 
Yep. So make make a run to New Balance of South Florida and apologize for me personally. Say, Neil is so upset that he'd like to take Petey Lenny out there and have him drawn and quartered right out there in the parking lot. And believe me, well-deserved. Make a run to New Balance of South Florida in the Aventura of Mall, Pinecrest, and Boca Town Center today. If your feet could thank you, they would. New Balance, it's unbelievable. My, my, and local. This is Sports Radio 560. QAQAM. For glory holes. WQM. We've got 297 votes. I bet you we can make 400 before we have to get out of here. You think? All right. Think we can yeah, get three sure. more? we got 397. How do you feel about GW's plans to invade Iraq? I'm against it. The timing smells of politics. You might got bugs in here. Oh, no. Yeah, little tiny black ones. Maybe Steve can come up here. Don't come up here, Steve. You're strange. We appreciate the great job. No no uh, more ants in the house, but i got bugs. I'm against it. The timing smells of politics as far as this invasion of Iraq. 158 said that. Let's roll. Saddam has to go. Oh! 113 said that, 28.4%. I'm for it if our allies join in 50. I'm for it even if we have to go it alone 40. And I'm against that the U.S. should never be the aggressor. 36 be saying that. Now, is this thing going to, are we going to get those other three or not? Are we, are we done? No, we'll get them. Two more minutes. I understand, but I, it came like to a, There's, and I can't one find more. that, that Lynn Samuel's more. website is not uh, popping up on here. Get a blank screen. Uh-oh. You don't think they sabotaged my good friend Lynn, do you? There we go, 401, I got 401. 401. In fact, I'm going to get on the 401. That's the major highway up here, the 401. You think that's, like, uh, significant? No. No. State Department removes link to GOP website. It was an honest mistake, the U.S. State Department says, explaining how its website, giving tips to travelers headed for Guadalajara, Mexico, served simultaneously as a gateway for a Republican Party sales pitch. It must have been just an accident. With one click, a click... A handsome photograph of President George W. appeared. Another served up advice on how to get involved with the Republican Party, even how to make a donation. The link, which apparently had been operating for at least a week, was removed Thursday after a reporter inquired about it. On Friday, a department official blamed a local employee in the U.S. consulate in Guadalajara. The official said the link has been removed and replaced with a link to the White House's Spanish-language website. How do you like that? Incredible. Federal law bars government resources from being used for partisan political purposes. 
The New York Times said the site recounted highlights from Bush's record and offered for sale Republican memorabilia that included mugs, ties, scarves, and ballpoint pens. A spokesman for the Republican National Committee said party officials had no idea that a government agency's website had a link to the party site. State Department is acting to ensure that all its websites connect to appropriate sites, the officials said, now that they were caught with their goddamn website done. How do you like that, huh? That's funny. Those good, God-fearing, honest people, God damn it, who are sure a hell of a lot better than heathens like us. Bye, bye, bye! The Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM, Miami, Fort Lauderdale.